does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, here we go. It's Hydration Friday. You guys name it, I got it. You want Gatorade? Got it. Pedialyte, got it. Water, got it. How we feeling? Well, I'm a little stopped up. I feel better than yesterday. You need a you, neti pot. Did you do the allergy thing? Did you, you go over-the-counter action there? I did. So I had to consult with Motman to make sure that none of it interacts with my cardiac cocktail. And he's like, yeah, man, take whatever you have to because we're doing the mini. I'm like, I know. So we're good to go. Um, so I did. I, I, I've never had allergies, but I guess it's really bad this this year, like I said yesterday. So uh, no holding back. No turning back now, Kev. No turning back. You have your credential on you. I do. I went and picked those up yesterday, so I'm getting that all lined up. Starting to starting to get real, brother. It is. Uh, good Friday morning to you. Cinco de Mayo. Should we uh, take tequila shots? Oh, bring that'll, it on. That'll clear it out, right? 1,000%. Yeah, that and a that. mint and julep, and you'll be ready to you know be with the lead pack tomorrow. <laughs> Mayonnaise in the fridge still, so mayo and Excuse tequila? Me? I think we'll the only thing it. to no make way. a Why? mint julep mayo. better boom. would be mayo. <laughs> what was that you just did, Mark? Mayo. Oh, boom. <laughs> no thanks. I like lime. I like tequila. Mayo, zero chance. Uh, it is the Oaks Day down at Churchill Downs. It looks like the weather is going to be outstanding uh, for the Derby here coming up uh we will chat with uh, caleb keller in the nine o'clock hour um, he's going to get us set from a betting standpoint as we head into tomorrow i feel like it keeps on getting later and later i saw the post times like 650 something is it really yeah I, I used to remember being like kind of right at six what's the problem for the delay what's, uh, what's the is it a weather issue or are they waiting for the and then crew I also, to show up i saw that my horse practical move uh had to be scratched due to an elevated temperature can we not just was he hung over can we not just get some tylenol in the guy I, I, surely you realize that they were strictly being practical with that move so it wasn't necessarily you know wasn't necessarily uh they had to do it they're just being practical it's not, I, one of your, not, not one of your better ones here to start this friday uh kevin bowen <laughs> no wait Query, according to you i've never had a good one and mark dykton here uh for really the third straight day a very nice looking day to end the week here in indianapolis of course may activities really get underway tomorrow uh with the mini marathon and the weather continues to look super promising on that end, Colts draft pick Josh Downs going to join us here at 8 o'clock. That is the third round pick out of North Carolina. Uh, Chris Ballard called his draft call uh, one of the best he's really ever had. The emotion for Josh Downs is pretty evident. I think for any of uh, any of you that watched the With the Next Pick series last night, um, just very emotional Josh Downs in that moment and certainly one that was uh, pretty motivated by how far he fell in the draft. We'll have Lara Overton on 8.30 to talk more about the With the Next Pick series. Uh, and a little bit of everything here as we round out the week. Uh, all three, what, three of the four series, I guess, in the NBA tied at 1-1 as we shift to the second the, venues for these series. The Golden State Laker game two kind of went like you expected, didn't it? It's very similar to Celtics Sixers game two. 
of that home team loses game one. And honestly, if you look at the final score of Lakers-Warriors, you might wake up and be like, wow, 27 points. Lakers actually were up seven at the end of one. Uh, and then Golden State outscored L.A. by, I think it was 18 and 19 in the second and third quarters. Clay Thompson with eight threes in that one. So that series is 1-1. The only series that is 2-0 will get tonight. It'll be game three in Phoenix with the Nuggets looking to go up 3-0 there. The early game tonight, it's a 7.30 tip from Philly. That'll be Boston and Philly tied at one. Man. Or is it Heat Knicks tonight? I could be totally off on that. I think Heat Knicks is on. I think it's a double. There's two games. No, it is Boston Philly. Yeah. It's weird how they do this scheduling. It's not like very like. I thought it would just be we have four series left. We do two on one night, two on the other night. And we just rotate those. That is one of my biggest pet peeves of the NBA playoff schedules. Just you never know when games It doesn't make sense, you know? Uh, Celtics favored by one and a half on the road, Suns favored by four and a half at home tonight and uh Giannis is looking for a new head coach how about that did that surprise you I, I mean if I'm you know wh- which way do you go there is he a coach that got them a title or is he a coach that got beaten the first round he's both obviously but which one was the anomaly that's the better way of asking it which one's the anomaly yeah I I was a little bit surprised by it I <laughs> Am I imagining things, or was it like a couple years ago where it was like, oh yeah, if the Bucks lose in round one, Boonholzer's out? I think it was the, the year they won it, right? What, was it the year that they won it? Because I thought to myself for a second, it might have been the same cycle where the, either the Pacers hired Bjorkren or Carlisle, I forget which year, matches up, but I thought to myself, wait a minute, if Boonholzer's about to get fired, like he did a decent job in Atlanta, why not hire him here? I, I mean, he'll have a job again next year if he wants it, right? Somewhere. I don't know how many no jobs No professional open sports up, league rotates more than NBA coaches. And no professional sports league keeps with, well, maybe the NFL. Like, I think just, we're done with the NFL keeping it in the family. Just recycles all the time? Yeah, you might be right. Or at least that's quieted down a whole lot. The like, NBA, it is. I mean, how many places did Lenny? Give me a Lenny Wilkins or Don Nelson. Which one do you want to look up here? We'll go with or Larry Brown. I feel like Wilkins is like the gold standard, but Larry Brown and Don Nelson are probably up there as well. Okay, we'll go with Lenny Wilkins. How many places has Lenny Wilkins coached? Uh, as a coach, Lenny Wilkins. Sonics, Blazers, back to the Sonics, Cavs, Hawks, Raptors, Knicks. Don Nelson. Don Nelson's like way up there, right? Didn't hasn't he coached everywhere, or is he just Golden State and Dallas? Did he have Dallas too? Yeah, definitely Dallas. Don Nelson as a coach. Bucks, Warriors, Knicks, Mavericks, Warriors. Okay, not not, to, but I'm still, I mean, four. That's like my resume. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you kind of know at some point you're like, it's probably it after this, and I'm probably good to go. And, you know, I, I know there's been some ownership changes within the Bucks organization, and obviously you fall into a little bit of a trap of, like, man, that end was so poorly. Giannis, I think, has an extension due later this offseason. You're certainly thinking about him and how he is the person that matters the most in the organization, not Mike Budenholzer, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, do What other do we have? Is Houston? Houston got Ime Udoka. Is that the only other opening? I think that's right. For some reason, I feel like there was one more that I'm missing. Do you have sinus congestion at all? Currently? Am I the only one that does? I, 
I feel like mine, you know, I, I certainly have allergies, but I don't think mine's to the degree that you're feeling it right now. Well, so, and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I am curious. Easy now with. Yeah. Sorry. Derby Some respect. Yeah. Ba- sorry. I know I'm. Insert another Jake query. Beautiful analogy here. I know I'm pulling a Jake by sticking with something longer than I should. How's that? Um, <laughs> but I've never really had allergies. And are they really bad this year? Like I saw Matthew, our friend from Maine, is here for the many, sent a tweet saying, oh my gosh, my, my sinus is completely locked up once I got to Indiana. So is it, but, but Matthew's not from here, so maybe he's just not used to it. I've never really had allergies, so that's why I'm, I'm trying to navigate whether I have a head cold. Might have been pretty normal. I did test negative, by the way. What's that? For COVID or the PEDs? Uh, for for COVID. Okay. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So will you run? Are you running with Matthew tomorrow? Will you run in a pack? How, how's this going to work? I'm running with Motman, and we have both said to each other, this will probably not be our finest hour because we're both slightly under the weather. So we're just going to go through the motions, man. We're just gonna, you know what I mean? I mean, I, have you ever done the mini? No. The mini marathon, Kevin, is fascinating because two things about it that are really interesting. The first is you'll be running along, and you look over and you see somebody's got a funny shirt or funny outfit or whatever. Okay, and then you look, you know, your eyes stray to the left or whatever, and you come back and you're like, where'd they go? And just gone. Because there's so many people, like it, it's amazing. Like it, it, literally, every person is like a Where's Waldo experiment. But then the other thing too is you'll be running along, and your calves will start to cramp or something will happen, and like a 90 year old person goes flying past you, or a person with a leg brace, mm-hmm. or somebody pushing a stroller with, you know, a disabled person, and you're like, okay, you know, let's go. Um, the other thing, too, is like when you're on the interstate and you take a road trip and you have road friends, you know, when you see the guy, you're, you're on the road and you see the guy in the green pickup truck and you're riding alongside him for five miles and then you get gas and da, 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 and then two hours later, you're like, oh, it's a green truck buddy again. The same thing happens with the mini. Like you're at, you're running and then you walk, then you run and you walk, whatever, and you get to the track and you're like, wait a minute, like that person who's been walking the whole way is still at the same pace as I. So it just, it, it's fascinating, but it is a ton of fun. I love doing it, but my days of getting out there and running and running and running and running for 13 straight miles and not stopping to walk or pet dogs or high five people are long over. <laughs> I mean, I'm just out there to move 13 miles and get it over with. I remember it used to be on a weekday, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember my Aunt Kathy, she, she taught an IPS for 30 years. She would bring her students out on the course and my dad and my uncle would run by and that would be like their their favorite moment of the many you seeing those kids and they're all clapping and yeah that's cool but I'm i, I don't remember that, that i don't but that, that had have been a longer time ago the first year i did it would have been probably oh nine okay yeah this would have been i mean i would have been really young i mean in the early to mid 80s you know they ended at the track right now now the track's halfway through but it's great. The, the thing that I love most about it, you asked me this yesterday, I realized, but when you go, so the route, for those that are unfamiliar, you start downtown on Washington Street, you take it around past the zoo, and then you snake around to, I guess it's Michigan, and you take that out, 
No, it's New York. No, I'm sorry. It's 10th. You, you take it out towards 10th. You take that out, and then you go north on Holt Road, and you end up on Main Street and Speedway. You go around the track, then you take 16th out, and eventually you drop back down to 10th. But the the crowd, like the people that live along 10th Street in particular, it's great. I mean, they're all out on their front porch drinking coffee, waving. Little kids are clapping, or they've got signs. I mean, the whole deal. But everybody, literally, the thing I love about the mini marathon is it is one event that you go to where people's people's backgrounds don't matter, people's race doesn't matter, people's weight doesn't matter, nothing. It is literally collectively a bunch of people just cheering for each other and pushing each other to a common accomplishment. And that's what's great about it. That's that's what I absolutely love about it. Um, that said, I'm 50, so this might be the last one. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm kidding. But I've done... This will be my either... Four- get, the, get through the finish line and just like... <laughs> Lay on the ground and Gosh, just like, I'm done. I'm retired. I need the vitamin C graduation song a few days earlier. That's that right. We were playing. No, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll do it again next year. I probably am certain of that. But it would be my 14th or 15th, something like that. Uh, did you? For you. I I will I will be on the sidelines. Are you going? No, but from afar. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> You'll be there with your tequila. I'll be cheering uh-huh. for you. You're going to have right. your tequila and mayo just yeah. sitting there. Like, this one's for Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That was a bad decision. Uh, you catch any of the uh, with the next pick from the Colts last night? I actually did not see the one last night. I, I, you know what? I take that back. I saw the I saw excerpts of it. I didn't sit down and watch all the way through, but I saw excerpts of it. We'll have Larry Overton on eight thirty to talk more more about it. Again, give me all the behind the scenes content possible. Uh, just a huge fan. I think it's great that the Colts um, even are allowed to do this and attempt to do it. I think it's very well done. Um, there are a couple things that I found pretty interesting within that. You know, if for those watching it, Morocco Brown, who's basically third in line under Chris Ballard, Ballard, Ed Dodds, and then him. He's a guy that has all the, you know, cool sayings and really was kind of one of the big spearheaders in Anthony Richardson. He made the analogy of like, you you don't have to get all of the juice out of Anthony Richardson in terms of kind of squeezing that talent. And I think that's a point that I've been trying to make here over the past week of like, when you talk about Richardson and where he's at right now as a thrower... Again, you don't need to get him to like this 70% guy, this Philip Rivers, Drew Brees type of accuracy, methodically moving his way down the field. His big playability allows you to kind of not be so reliant on maybe his consistency as a thrower. Certainly, those are areas that you want to get to, but even if he doesn't reach that level, he can still be an extremely impactful player for you. Uh, Richardson, of course, in town. got in town yesterday. The Colts will have their rookie minicamp. I'll be up there for practice later this afternoon. Richardson was worried that he forgot to pack his Crocs. Yeah, he's a big Crocs guy. Considering he's a Gator, that's interesting. Big Crocs guy, big candy guy. Anthony Richardson. Um, So the Colts will have their first rookie minicamp practice here in a little bit. The other thing that I thought was interesting from last night, um, Jim Bob Cooter, their offensive coordinator, they, they showed... Um, him giving his thoughts on Richardson in the draft room. 
and they do this. They bring in respective coaches, you know, typically the coordinator or the position coach of that player. Okay, what did you see on film? You know, how are we going to match up the scouting of him to what you guys believe in as a coaching staff? Um, And the thing that I found interesting from Jim Bob was he always would preface his comments by like, in the right environment, which I believe we're building here, I think he's got a real chance to be extremely successful if we do this the right way. He kept on throwing those caveats in there of like, it, it, it can't stop just with the draft pick. Like, we've got to make sure that we always have that sole focus of don't force any offensive system upon this kid, cater to his strengths. And I mentioned it on yesterday's show, Jake. You know, at some point, Buffalo looked at it and said, all right, Josh Allen's coming along. We need to go get him Stephon Diggs. At some point, Jalen Hurts was making really good strides, and Philadelphia said, we need to go get A.J. Brown. At some point, the Colts just can't be saying Anthony Richardson's going to cure it all. You've got to go out there and continue to support that quarterback. And I think that's get, that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when you think post-Peyton Manning draft, post-Andrew Luck draft. You know, after the Manning draft, Jake, as you know full well, it was Edrin that next year. Then it was, you know, what, Reggie two years later and Dwight Freeney three years after that. You don't go on a run without those guys. Here's the For other the Colts, thing. you drafted absolutely no one in the drafts immediately after Andrew Luck. So I thought it was important by Jim Bob to continue to say those things because there is a whole lot of development needed. You've got to make sure that the atmosphere and the environment around Anthony Richardson is comfortable, but yet continues to build. Because if you don't do that, you're just not going to reach any sort of um, potential high-level tap into the four to five years. We've made this draft pick thinking about the future, not the present. To me, the number one thing that you need for Anthony Richardson or any young quarterback is continuity of system. And the benefit of a Shane Steichen is that he has shown, as we talked about leading into the draft, a versatility of system. He can come up with an offense that's catered to Justin Herbert. He can come up with an offense that's catered to Jalen Hurts. He can come up with an offense that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so that means for Shane Steichen, he can he can make adjustments to Richardson as opposed to Richardson making adjustments to him. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to compare Jeff George and Peyton Manning. They're two totally different quarterbacks, but they are decent precedent for this franchise by which to compare because they were both the number one overall selection in the draft. And one of them, from the time he was drafted, had the same offensive coordinator from day one and the same system every day. Right. The other one had a different offensive coordinator every single year and was asked to learn four different offenses in five years or whatever it was, and it was like, okay, I mean, what are we doing here? I think that's critical in the development of a young quarterback, and that is a huge advantage in Indianapolis for Anthony Richardson, theoretically. I mean, even Luck went through a couple offensive coordinators throughout his career when you look at Bruce Arians, and obviously that was kind of out of your control with Arians taking the Arizona job, but Pep Hamilton and Rob Chudzinski – um, and that's the best attribute to hiring a guy like Shane Steichen is no matter what move you were making at quarterback, he's going to be in place as the play caller and as a guy that is going to be very open-minded, I think, to creating a system around Anthony Richardson. So stay tuned to our website later today, 1075thefan.com. We'll have more um, from up there at West 56th Street on Anthony Richardson's first time getting on NFL 
practice field. By the way, uh, Alex Core, my friend Alex Core, tells me um, Kevin Lowry and Dick Mata. Dick Mata is the perfect example of the coaching carousel, right? Bulls, Bullets, Mavericks, Kings, Mavericks, back to the nugget, and then uh, Nuggets. I mean, back then, man, in the late 80s and early 90s, it was just churning through the same 25 guys, right? Uh, also, Kevin, somebody texted and said, you are correct. Up until the mid-90s, the mini marathon was run on Friday and finished at the track. Friday of this week? Yeah, yeah. So it would be hmm. today, for example. Interesting. Uh, Aaron pointed out uh, Nick Nurse got fired as well. Forgot about that. Raptors. Thank you, Aaron, for that. So yeah, a couple of us NBA champion coaches right there. Nick Nurse and Mike Boonholz are both getting the old. Would you rather coach in scissors. Toronto or Milwaukee? Cities. Uh huh. Oh, right. certainly Toronto. Yeah, but Toronto, the, without question. Well, the question is though the taxes. Uh, well, we've well, talked about that. Like, I don't. Do I you would get, like to think there's enough commas and zeros in the old contract. It wouldn't be too damaging. Do you get paid in American or Canadian dollars? Didn't we look that up once, Mark? Because what do we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. Thank I don't you. recall us educating and entertaining in that in that topic. <laughs> I thought it depended like where the event was, right? Because isn't that a big deal in like the playoffs? I just think of, that would be a nightmare. You, yeah, who you play or where you play? I should say, like depending on the playoff series you have, the amount of road games you have, that impacts. And that, maybe that's for players. I mean, that maybe would be such a for, hassle, for though. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Is TurboTax doing that for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah, I've got uh, – I played in 41 different cities last year, and plus I have Canadian taxes and 41 games in Canada. So is today, like, the Derby's carb day? Yes. So the Oaks is kind of a – it's just a party day? So if you live in Louisville, the Derby's a huge deal. And there are certainly people that go to the Derby. And probably a lot of people that do both. Oh, it's a hundred and some thousand, right? But if you live in Louisville, today is the day as a Louisville native that you go before all of the out-of-town tourists take over your complex. So no one's working in Louisville today? Zero chance. Raptors players are paid in American currency, which means as the Canadian dollar drops, their paycheck goes a lot further. What if they're Canadian? I think they're part of an, an American basketball franchise or you know association, so okay. they are paid in American dollars. Good for them, especially with that. I'm telling you, man, you you go to Canada and the, that that conversion rate. You take your roots. You go to roots. You can buy your. I mean, I redo my wardrobe. It's like everything's basically. It's like well, this this stuff's practically free. It's like having the. It's like Kramer with the Japanese fellas, right? Give me all the ketchup chips you can, sir. <laughs> I'm an American. Yeah. Basically 40% off everything. It's fabulous. Fantastic. Uh, we'll get you set up. Give me the rundown, Kevin, again, on who all is on this morning, because I know Josh Downs. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Josh Downs coming up at 8 o'clock. Again, uh, third-round pick for the Colts. Rookie minicamp began really late last night. Uh, players started to get to Indianapolis. We should get an undrafted free agent list a little bit later today. Um, so he's going to join us coming up at 8. Lair Overton. At 8.30, speaking of the Derby, that's a Louisville product in Lair Overton, New Albany girl. Uh, and then 9.15, is that right, Mark? I know the time's a little bit yep. odd for Caleb Keller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is with FanDuel TV. Yes. And he will give us some Derby action coming up here. I would assume, and this is me knowing absolutely nothing about the Kentucky Derby, uh, outside of, you know, I act like I do when I lay a bet down, I'd assume that good weather would mean fast track. Is that correct? We aren't betting on mutters, is that right? Correct. You is that know the right term. You know what they say about mutters. His mutter was a mutter. Um, 
Yes. The mutter the, was a mutter? Huh? Never forget it. You know, that horse is a mutter. His mutter was a mutter, too. There are certain horses, Kevin, as you know. I mean, that's why it's called a mutter. There are certain horses that are, that are. it's their advantage if it's a sloppy track or a, a track with, you know, it, the worst would be if it rained like all day today and then you run tomorrow and it's still some mud in there and you're, you're kind of sinking into the track itself. You know, the strength necessary advantage to some horses. But yes, a condition like this, as I understand it, I'm not some total expert, but it would be a faster run. Now, it is time for me once again, and I do this each and every year, admittedly, but I still marvel over it. And I am kind of obsessed with this racehorse, so take it for what it's worth. But it is amazing to think that it will now have been 50 years since Secretariat ran the Kentucky Derby. Today's the anniversary. It, today is exactly uh-huh. and no one has surpassed that time now well and correct me if i'm wrong jake no one's surpassed sham for second i think that's i think it's the second fastest time ever in yeah. derby history is it really okay i was gonna say because i mean sham was a remarkable horse as i've talked about but had the misfortune of being in the same year as secretariat now it's not like with horses, I mean, you would assume like maybe even from from a diet understanding or just different tactics, but it's not like technology necessarily, you know, benefits a horse more so than 50. It's not like auto racing, but clearly load management's at play with practical move and his (laughs) scratch. That's right. Can we not Um, get a Jordan flu game from practical move here? So secretariat though, set the record in all three of the triple crown races. And I think I'd have to look. I, he may hold the record in all three of them. Well, the Belmont's the iconic picture, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Because the Derby was a great race. Correct. The Derby Secretariat started towards the back, going, matter of fact, and then actually in the Preakness Secretariat again going into turn one was in last. And then, you know, turned it up. The Belmont was the most unbelievable. And I get it. I, I get why people like it's a horse. It's not athletes. I, I get it. But for lack of a better phrase, sports. The Belmont was one of the most unbelievable and impressive sports displays of dominance you will ever see. I mean, it is unreal. When Roddy Turcott, when they were coming around turn four, and Roddy Turcott finally looked over his shoulder. I mean, you have the the jockey riding on the horse and is like, where is everybody? And looks back, and he's 26 links in front, headed down the home stretch. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was the, um, that would be the modern day Tyreek Hill peace sign, right? When when Tyreek's at like the goal line and looking back at everybody else. Uh, that's what that scene was. So we'll do some derby talk coming up in the nine o'clock hour. I also saw, did you see uh, Hunter Dickinson to Kansas, Jake? Did you see the video? Video was a bit awkward. Um, to say the least. I mean, here's the thing. So for those that are unfamiliar, Hunter Dickinson, good player, Michigan, enters the portal. Like three days ago, sends out the letter of like, you know, I just, you know, I love Michigan and my heart's always there and I love my teammates, but please respect my decision to go into the portal. And then puts out this professionally produced video of him shooting in the gym and the phone rings and he answers on his on his earbuds and you know ipod whatever you call them and you know it's like and, it, and it's a friend of his saying you got the whole world waiting man when are you going to make your decision really the whole world's waiting uh, really 
Yeah, you're right. So then it shows him driving in a car talking about how surreal it is to get recruited again and all these coaches are coming after me and this this feels like it's bigger than when I had to decide out of high school. And then the next video is him walking in to be embraced by Bill Self and saying he's going to play for Kansas. I'm telling you, Kevin, and I don't know, how big a recruit was Hunter Dickinson? Huge. Huge, 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 yeah. Huge because recruit. out of DeMatha, Notre Dame was extremely high on him. I think he was a borderline five-star. Because... I really think this. I think players, they love that that process of being sought, being – and I get it. I would have been the same way at that age. I do understand that. But the transfer portal for a lot of these kids is about just being able to go through that process again. The, you, the feeling of being left out. FOLO, baby. Everybody else is getting recruited again, and everybody else is getting to put out videos and show me some love, North Carolina. Show me some love, Indiana. Where are you at, Syracuse? And all these fat guys my age wearing their candy-striped pants, frothing at the mouth, sending tweets, genuflecting over everything they do, telling them they're the funniest guy around. Welcome to 2023 college basketball. I think welcome to Bloomington also. Kansas at Assembly Hall this year coming up. So Hunter Dickinson will still be playing Assembly Hall and I think there might be a Purdue matchup. Purdue's- Did he graduate from Michigan? I forgot Purdue was in that loaded Maui field this year or really one of the better Maui fields you're going to see. Uh, I would. I, I think he did, right? Assume, Is he a graduate right? transfer? Because if not, I can't imagine having three quarters of my schoolwork completed as a college undergraduate with the potential of a degree from the University of Michigan and trading that for a degree from the University of Kansas. I mean, Michigan is one of the most elite academic institutions in the country, and Kansas is where I went because I couldn't get into Indiana or anywhere else. It's not the Harvard of the Midwest? I mean, it's a good state university, and they are very welcoming. Donnie says, I'm working Ford Motor Company today in Louisville. So we're grinding a little bit down there. Donnie, shout out to you. Appreciate you tuning in. Again, it is a glorious looking Friday to round out the week here. Josh Downs, Colts wide out at 8. Lara Overton, 8.30. Caleb Keller to talk derby at 9.15. Kevin Aquaria right here, 93.5107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, uh, a third NBA playoff series is tied at 1-1. The Warriors, after really kind of a sluggish first quarter, dominated the second, dominated the third last night, and the fourth quarter was anticlimactic to say the least. Um, So that series now shifts to L.A. at 1-1. Both series in the East are at 1-1. We'll get Game 3 of Sixers and Celtics tonight. Boston a slight favorite on the road in that matchup. And then the second game of the night will be Phoenix trying to go – or trying to get their first win of that series as they are at home and down 2-0 to the Nuggets. Bottom line for the Lakers, they can win games. They can't win games without Anthony Davis being dominant. They they can – LeBron James can be their pace setter, but at this point in his career – and he's a great player. But if everything is going through LeBron, 
they have a less chance of winning, if that's the right word, than they do when Anthony Davis is dominant. An 11-point game for Anthony Davis, they're going to find themselves, regardless of what LeBron's doing on the short end, more often than not. Going to go. What the hell? <laughs> well, it's not Mark. Jump the gun a little bit. Don't even think the Reds jump, played yesterday. Jump the gun. Yeah, the Reds didn't even play. I just, just have went, it handy always. It wasn't necessary at all. You know what? The Nationals yesterday beat the Cubs in Major League Baseball 4-3. Mm-hmm. For you Cubs, for you Cubs fans, that, Reds ownership has has a question for Cubs fans. Go are ahead. you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? No, I won't stop following you, Reds. Should we be talking about the Cardinals in the same light we've talked about the White Sox this year? I think so. We're getting to that point. Cardinals get swept by the Angels. Uh, I think Sweet. they have the same exact record as the White Sox. They're like cockroaches. 10 and 22. Don't ever write them off. Don't ever write them off. Uh, late field goal for cute fellow. They beat the Royals 13-10 in the fourth quarter. They uh, It was a 42-yarder. Mariners over the Athletics 5-3. Sorry, Kev. Red Sox over the Blue Jays 11-5. It was the Twins over the White Sox 7-3. Rockies over the Brew Crew 9-6. And Atlanta doubles up Miami 6-3. Again, we have the run for the Roses coming up tomorrow. Post time, I think I saw 6-57. Uh, Forte, that is the favorite. We'll talk more with Caleb Keller uh, from FanDuel TV coming up in the 9 o'clock hour about how to properly lay down some money there for the Derby, and then I am off to cold to rookie minicamp later today. Uh, Jake, insert your jokes here about watching practice. I must say, I actually am looking forward to seeing Anthony Richardson on an NFL field. You know what you might be saying at some point during today? Oh Possession into the end zone. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to make fun of you for that. It, there's an intrigue there for sure. You know, does it translate immediately to playing against flying, you know, flying action of an NFL defense? No, of course not. But certainly, yeah, it'll give you an idea just to see. You know, the the zip on the football, the, the Let's strength just say of the arm. Past rookie mini camps have not had this sort of quarterback. Though. I'm not necessarily looking forward to. No offense, Kevin. I, actually, you're not a violator of this. Uh, the you know, the training camp day two, like Richardson throws eight yard beautiful out to so and so, but nice defensive play by such and such. Uh, okay. I mean, the last. Try to keep that info in an last, article. The last Colts rookie minicamp that had this much hype for a quarterback had to be Andrew Luck, right? Right. And if I'm thinking correctly, Mark, Luck might have done the rookie minicamp, but then Stanford was on that quarter system, so then he went back out there. So it's not even like he did the yeah. normal sort of. But still spring. over a decade. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Sam Ellinger, Jacob Eason. Didn't push the needle. Insert your undrafted quarterbacks here. Uh, not the same sort of excitement on that end. Again, Josh Downs, Colts third-round pick out of North Carolina. He joins us at 8 o'clock. It is a beautiful Friday here in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 15 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Good morning to you on a Friday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Big weekend in sports ahead. The Derby tomorrow. The many tomorrow. And then, of course, Colts, speaking of many, um, rookie mini camp getting underway. Kevin will be out for that. I did want to mention real quick, Kevin, and I, I don't know if this is troublesome uh, or not. Mark, you might want to weigh in on this as well. Sure. Uh, clearly, I'm a little congested, and I was asking if it was allergies. Well, someone said for you to get nasal wash. Nasal wash, okay. Um, Jake, I went to the doctor yesterday. 
I sounded congested just as you do. Turns out mine was blo- mine was caused by a blocked eustachian tube due to excessive earwax. Oh, okay. that's a nice <laughs> picture nice there. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Could to that know. be it? I mean, how often are you cleaning your ears? By the way, I meant to tell you on Monday, Mark, I'm going to have a homemade candle for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I meant to light it and hold it over your ear. <laughs> no, it's going to be out? it's going to be homemade wax. That's oh, and multi-purpose. Can he help out in this area? <laughs> yes, he like is Jake's multi-purpose. Here here. Motman's multi-purpose, and let me tell you why. Last year during the mini, I wore. I didn't realize that I had bought like those socks at the expo, but they were compression socks. So we get to running and I'm like, oh my gosh, my foot's falling asleep. We're like two miles into the run. Like my foot's falling asleep. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Maybe you don't feel the pain then. (laughs) Well, you can't move. So we pull over and he's like a riding mechanic. We we, we pull over to the side on some street and he's like, okay, now bend your foot against this stairwell. And then he actually gave me a very slight foot massage. Oh, well, that's very nice. Jeez, we talk we about things you don't often see at the minute. Pitch the socks. Well, you see a little of everything. Well, got geared back up. That really? and not something else. Yeah. Got back on the road. He was like my own little AAA roadside service. Mm-hmm. It's great. Shorts better in covering everything up. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, okay. Smooth uh, transition. Query. Whoa, what the heck's going on over there? Yeah. Quite the transition here. Um, yesterday, I thought really one of the better. I, again, I you can just joke about last season, but. I think if you're going to make a list of Colts players that played good football last season, I think this guy would be very high on that list, and he is now playing for the Cleveland Browns coming up this season. And really, it's part of a major movement that I don't know if the Colts love, but clearly they have really no other choice. Uh, But it's a movement in the secondary of youth. Uh, Rodney McLeod to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, last year for the Colts, he played the third most defensive snaps. Again, I thought he was one of their better players. Uh, when the Nick Cross experiment did not go well, about a game-ish end of the season, they benched Cross, they threw McLeod in the starting lineup. And it's a hell of a story. He's an undrafted free agent, played in the league for a decade, um, has had a great career, and now will continue it in Cleveland. Jake, I think the question the Colts have to ask themselves here over the next few weeks in deciding if they need to make any other roster moves. If you look in their secondary, they are incredibly young. I mean, it's Kenny Moore, maybe Julian Blackman, and a bunch of just youthful dudes. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is, do you go out and try and get the Roddy McLeods, the one-year stop gaps? Or They've do had you a com- history of that, right? Cer- certainly a safety. Or you do, com- do you commit to playing the younger guys? And I think outside of corner and safety, you'd also point to right guard on the offensive line. And I think you have to have different philosophies at those spots. For me, Jake, if it's any position that is directly impacting Anthony Richardson, I want to see a veteran there. I want to support Anthony Richardson from right. day one. If it's positions that don't directly impact him, i.e. corner and safety, I'm content with the youth movement. I understand that part of it. I'm good with it. I don't think wins and losses are the end-all, be-all this season. But I think if you're talking about, particularly O-line, if you're talking about positions that could impact his health or his play, support. But for this season, considering the trajectory of where you're at as a franchise, what you've done from a draft pick standpoint of both safety and corner, you've invested a lot there. I'm good with them playing the young guys. I think that from the corner and safety standpoint, Kevin, I am totally on board with and aware of and intrigued by 
the notion of a guy where you just go based on athleticism, especially at safety. But we've seen that experiment a lot. Well, we saw last year with Nick Cross and it didn't work and, out. And more often than not, what it, and you know TJ Green, right? I mean, what ends up happening more often than not than you turn around to the guy that's a little bit older but a little bit wiser and go, okay, will you bail us out, please, for the rest of the year? And so you need some insurance there, right? I'm okay with having flyer athleticism in your defensive backfield, but you run a risk if you are if the if the scales of your room are tipped grossly to the side of young raw athleticism versus experienced smart guy then you you're you're really starting to play with fire i think you you, you need a couple of guys in there to give you that insurance policy again this team is not a booger mcfarland trade away from being a super bowl team so I, I just don't really see the need to go out and get another Rodney McLeod. Does that mean you might have growing pains in the secondary this season? Certainly. But I am content with that. The bigger issue I would have, and currently I think I do have with the offensive line, is you're pretty much running a back. Well, you are. I mean, you're running a back with the same starting five of last year, and you're saying that a new position coach and a new scheme change is going to kind of be the cure-all in that. Um, that is where I would have some worry. But again, I thought Rodney McLeod played great for the Colts last season. I'm glad you said Booger McFarlane, Kevin, because a lot of people, and there's no doubt, no doubt that Bob Sanders was a tone setter for the Colts secondary that we have not seen since. But people talk about that Colts Super Bowl run and always pin it almost entirely and specifically defensively on Bob Sanders and I'm telling you I this will you can put this on my tombstone the one thing that I the hill that I am willing to stand on forever is that the trade for Burger McFarland which shored up the middle for that defense then facilitated for everything to move outward and that's what enabled their defensive players to finally reach exactly what they needed to do under Dungy's defense. Booger McFarland was absolutely the key centerpiece move that put them over the top. That's then, a lot of words on your gravestone. You've got that one. You've got the forty-six words from the you, other have, one. Have you not? Have you not seen the design for my headstone? That's probably more words than the uh, term paper you have turned you, in. <laughs> yeah, earlier this week, right? Well, th- there were more words there than I got points for that paper. Um, have you seen the Washington Monument? Uh-huh. Okay, very similar. Oh, okay. Oh, when you're driving on 38th Street at Crown Hill, th- people are going to say, that guy must have been something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taller than the Chase Tower. Well, he loves that booger fella. That's all I know. <laughs> we went to go see what it says. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, along those lines, uh, was it a reinsertion into the starting lineup of Rob Morris? What well, Wasn't that something that kind of played into it a little bit? Yeah, I forgot about Rob Morris because he's another one that – and that defense and the cover two defense... They I got think, a little bit more run heavy, I guess, from yeah. a defensive standpoint. And then when they faced Larry Johnson in round one, it was outstanding Boy, they, they just him. completely shut Rob, or Larry Johnson down. Rob Morris is the guy that, because they played a cover two, he was oftentimes having to run to make up for, to go out of zone to make up for where somebody else had blown an assignment. And as a result of that, there are a lot of highlights of Rob Morris running somebody down where he looks like he's the one that was at fault, and he was not. He was masking for somebody else. I always liked Rob Morris. I thought he was a good dude. 
Uh, the Colts had a BYU draft pick here this year. Blake Freeland, their offensive tackle. Speaking of draft picks, actually the pick right before Blake Freeland was Josh Downs, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, the third-round pick. Reggie Wayne, a huge fan of his. Uh, Chris Bowers said the Colts were trying to trade up for about 20, 30 minutes before they ended up taking Downs at 79 to get him. Uh, so he will be thrown into the fire today, rookie minicamp, and he joins us on the other side. Kevin Aquaria right here on 93.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 107.5 The Fan. 8 o'clock hour on a Friday. Outstanding weather to end the week. Josh Downs, wide receiver for the Colts, going to join us here in a few. Again, Jake, super, super emotional. Um, pretty darn fired up when the Colts took him at number 79. I think a little uh, – definitely thought he would go earlier. I love when a guy is drafted, and it's easy to say it. And welcome to you know, right off the emotion of the front. But a guy that's drafted that, that then feels like, hey, you are the team that took a, a shot at me. You're the team that, that was willing to put it out there when other teams had passed. Yeah. I love it. Uh, confident, confident individual, and we will talk with him right now. Josh Downs joins us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Josh, I know it's been brief. How's Indy treating you so far? Yes, sir. Good to be here. Um, got off the plane yesterday. Felt good to get back in Indianapolis since the combine, but um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. All right, let's let's uh, go back a week ago Friday. You're getting ready for round two and round three. Uh, judging by your reaction, um, I think you probably thought you'd be drafted a little bit earlier. But then your emotion once you got that call from the Colts. Chris Bauer called it one of the best draft calls he's ever received. How would you describe your feelings round two into round three and then once you got that call? Yeah, so I, I was a little upset um, that I didn't go earlier. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of motion early in the night. Um, thought I was going to go earlier from talks, like, just through the whole pre-draft. Um, but when they when I got the call, I just felt um, blessed. I felt ecstatic. I was very happy. And um, I knew that I had a great organization that believed in me. So, um, really, I was just I was ready to put it all on the line for them right then and there. And uh, I'm ready to go to work today. And however many years I'm here. Josh, a guy that will be coaching you, Reggie Wayne, is very high on you. I mean, he he made uh, no bones about that. I think he's a guy that probably pushed heavily for your draft. But Reggie Wayne, when he came out of the process, has talked about how Washington had told him, we're taking you. And then Washington comes up, and I, I can't remember, it was a receiver out of Clemson they took, and they passed on Reggie Wayne. I don't think he ever forgot that. Did you have teams that had told you or given you expectation that you would go before where you did? Uh, I mean, yeah, like my with my agent telling me stuff um, that he heard from teams and then just talking to teams in the process. Um, I just felt like I was uh, going to be picked before a lot of the other guys that went before me. So um, same type of vibe. Uh, and we talked about that already. So um, he went he went through a similar situation. He was uh, he said he was I think he was the fifth or sixth one taken. And I was like I was like 11th or 12th. So um, definitely similar situation um, coming in with a chip on the shoulder. So. 
Um, I didn't. I don't. No team owes to pick me, but um, I feel like I was better than a lot of guys they picked. So I'm just going to show them. I think you can do both of what I'm about to mention. But Josh Downs, for you personally, which play call gets you more juiced or makes you more confident? A long ball trying to get behind a defense and utilizing your speed or utilizing your hands on a third and eight over the middle need and grind out to extend a drive play? Mm. I like both, uh, but I feel like when it's when it's third down and eight, fourth down and eight, and the, and the coach is calling your number, I feel like that speaks volumes. I feel like um, they're putting trust in you uh, to get a fourth to third down because that's that's the difference between a, a turnover on downs or a punt. So I feel like um, when a coach puts his faith in you to get that first down for the team, um, I, I take pride in that. And I feel like I got to get open for my team. I got to make this catch and I got to keep the drive going. But I always love the home run ball too. So Yeah, you bring up a fourth down play. As a Notre Dame fan, I seem to recall a big touchdown you had on a fourth down this past fall against the Irish. Josh Downs, third-round pick of the Colts. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to go back to Reggie Wayne, if you don't mind, um, and just what that interaction was like at the Combine with him. What do you remember about what, what Reggie was saying to you on the field during your positional work? Uh, yeah, I just um, – I remember, well, TJ Huzmanzada, um, I was working with him during pre-draft, and um, he, he's, he knows Reggie Wayne, too, because he's a great um, receiver as well. So he was just talking to him, telling me that he thinks he, – he was like, he thinks you're a real good player. And then I remember after the on-field session, um, TJ Huzmanzada went up to Coach Reggie Wayne and was like, who's the best receiver out there? And he pointed at me and said, no question. So um, after that, I did my pro day, and then I, uh, Coach Wayne wanted to um, have a Zoom with me, and he told me he told me I needed he needed me on his squad. So uh, from then on out, I knew he believed in me. Um, so when I got that call from um, Coach uh, Mr. Ballard, I knew it was time to go because Coach Reggie Wayne stood on that table for me. Um, he vouched for me, so now it's time to make him right. Now, obviously, Michael Pittman is the wearer of number 11 here in Indianapolis. Uh, have you given thought to a jersey number here at the next level? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wear number one. Ooh. Any uh, reason behind that? I guess the similarity between 11 and 1, maybe? Um, well, I, like, I was going to switch my number my, going into my junior year, and I was thinking, like, 1 or 7, but then I just stuck with 11. So um, when I saw that 1 was available – because uh, Paris Campbell left, I just I jumped right on it, and um, I said I'll be number one. So that, I feel like that's an honor. Uh, it's, it's a big opportunity, and uh, I had to take it. You know, one of the things I would think, Josh, that would be a challenge going from college to the NFL is simply separation, right? I mean, the window is so much shorter at the professional level, and I would imagine that some of that can be made up by the precision of route running. How does one go about becoming a precise route runner other than the obvious answer, which is just repetition? But what is it? What separates Jerry Rice from another receiver in making one an elite route runner? Uh, yeah. So I just say, like, first, you just got to have a lot of God-given talent, of course. Um, but then also, like you said, repetition and then just um, taking details that you see on film and bringing it to the field and then also just um, – working on your breaks each and every day, working on different movements, inside routes, hesitations, um, 
stutters, just things to throw off the DB, and then really just crafting. Um, so route running is it's your job as a receiver besides catching the ball. So um, really there's the, the one thing that should be on your mind when you're running the route is get open unless you're a decoy, and then it's get your teammate open. But um, I feel like route running is just um, it's a natural thing and also just something you got to craft at each and every day to get better at. And, um, yeah. You know, when I was in um, St. Louis, Josh Downs is our guest, by the way, the Colts rookie wide receiver out of North Carolina. When I worked in St. Louis many moons ago, this shows, Josh, that I'm old. I covered your uncle, Dre Bly, who was a really good corner out of North Carolina and played, had a good long career in the NFL. Two things I remember about him. Number one, he never once, I've never seen him other than on a field wear shoes. He wore slides every single day, like constantly. So I don't even know if he owns shoes. But once he put the cleats on, he was a really good lockdown corner. And I'm curious, not knowing how close your relationship is with him, but having a father that played in the league, having an uncle that was a defensive guy in the league, does that give you opportunity to talk to, in particular, your uncle about what the vantage point is from a corner and what they are expecting out of you as a receiver that gives you advantage then to be able to get into the mind of the defender? Yeah, so, um, yeah, my uncle, I've known him since before I was born, so me and him are very close. Um, he's really related to me, too. People always have that question, are y'all actually related? Like, yeah, he's actually my real uncle. But I'd say, um, yeah, helping me be a better receiver because he tells me the tells that DBs look for, that he looked for, um, like raising your pads or slowing down a little bit. And um, basically he just tells me stuff he sees in my routes, what I need to keep doing, keeping my pads up. Um, keep the same speed a lot of the times. Um, hesitations are good at times, but sometimes you just got to go. Um, so, yeah, having him, it's definitely helped me a lot um, just to kind of feel what a DB thinks because he was an all-pro corner. He went to the Pro Bowl. So uh, there's there's not really much more you can do besides get a gold jacket. So um, having him in my corner has definitely helped me um, on the college level. Uh, he, he, he's uh, he's corrected me a lot. He's, he's told me I was a good player, but um, he's always there to tell me what I can do to get better. So having him and my father uh, helps me a lot because they've been there and done it, and they've seen greats do it. Josh Downs, wearing number one for the Colts, rookie minicamp, first practice coming up a little bit later today. Uh, Josh, what do you know, or what did you know about Anthony Richardson, and what, what's been your first interaction with him like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew Anthony Richardson was a crazy athletic freak with a crazy arm. Um, so when I got the, when I got drafted by the Colts, he texted me right away, and um, he said he was ready to get to work. So, yeah, last night we went out in the parking lot. We just threw some, uh, just chopped it up for about 30 minutes, um, caught some balls from him, just got a feel of how his arm is. He got a, he got a real strong arm type spiral. So uh, I'm excited to get out there on the field with him tomorrow. I know he's a real hard worker, similar to me, and uh, I feel like we're going to make a good connection. Now, several people have said that your nickname, and I'm, maybe this was in college, Josh First Downs. I mean, that seems obvious. I, I kind of like Josh Third Downs because I like receivers that are third down where you know that, like on like we talked about, on a third and eight, you're like, we're good because we got Josh Downs, right? So if you had your pick, would you rather be Josh First Downs or Josh Third Downs? Uh, I leave that up to the to the fans, I guess, and y'all. I, I don't really have a preference, so uh, I, I ain't never thought about the third downs thing. But no, nah, I guess if you make a catch cool. on third down, you're creating first downs, so that yeah, would facts. lead to that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, sure. By the way, what happened to North Carolina basketball last year? What, what was going on there? Jeez. Do we know? See, I don't really know. I mean. Um, 
I, I don't really know too much about that. I watched them, but I guess it was just a down year. Uh, everybody has those times, but I, I got I got some friends on that team, so I, I can't say anything. I mean, about <clears throat> look, Carolina basketballs. I mean, they're great, right? I, yeah. I just. You know, around here, I think people can relate to it because Indiana kind of had the same thing. You know, there's a, and then Purdue in the tournament. So, um, you know, you you know that you're coming to a place that has a reverence for college basketball like Carolina, but then the Colts have kind of taken that that torch, right? So there's a lot of expectation there. Do you feel that pressure when you come in? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just feel like I just got to go go to work, um, be the best player I can be, um, and then just. Do whatever I'm meant to do. Um, don't feel much pressure at all. I mean, I feel like I'm going to put in the work every single day, and then uh, it's going to take care of itself. Josh, last one. Um, last Friday, I remember I asked you about T.Y. Hilton on the Zoom. Obviously, just the connections there based off the franchise and, and size. Anybody you try to pattern your game after or anybody you, you really try to lock in watch film of? Uh, yeah, I used to watch a lot of like um, like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry when they was at LSU, and then even when they was early in their, earlier in their careers, and then um, watch a lot of Devontae Adams. Uh, I love how he plays, and then I watch. I mean, I've watched T.Y. Hilton, of course, too, and then um, Cooper Cup. Just really a, a lot of the greats, just to see what they do, um, see if it's similar to what I do, and then try to implement stuff from their game to mine. Josh, I, one last one for me. I'm I'm fascinated by this because in life in general, very few of us, you know, very few people can relate to being a professional athlete. I mean, you're in the top half a percentile, right? But we all have jobs. We all have things that we do. We all have levels in life where we move from one area to the next. And privately, we have our fears and our insecurities when we do that. And we assume that athletes do not. Can you take me through one area that you are a little bit, I'm not going to say intimidated. I know the easy answer is no, I'm not, I'm confident. That's why I'm here. I get that. But is there one area that you look at it and it seems surreal to you or one area where there is a natural discomfort that you are looking forward to feeling comfortable about and overcoming? Uh, yeah, I would just say, um, shoot, just joining a new team, um, uh, joining a new team, being a professional athlete. Um, of course, that's that's scary to a lot of people, um, and a lot of people don't get that. But, yeah, they, they, everybody thinks it's a dream, and it is, but at the same time, it's a lot of expectations, and um, you got to handle that. you got to put in the work, and you got to go out there and perform. So I'd say just, just being a professional, um, being on a new team, moving to Indiana, um, it's, a lot on, it's a lot on my plate, but I, I'm, I'm glad for it. I love uncomfortable situations, so I feel like um, you grow in those situations so um, get to mature here get to grow here um, get to learn from a a Hall of Fame receiver a great receiver and um, just be a better player so I'm excited Uh, it's quarterback rocket number five himself rocket number one yesterday out on the parking lot at West 56th Street today it'll be on their practice field for the first time in an NFL setting Josh Downs with us Josh great stuff man welcome to Indy Uh, good luck and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be rooting for you Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all. Have a good day. That's Josh Downs right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Josh Touchdowns, by the way, is the other obvious possibility. Chad Henry, Colts area scout, he threw out uh, the human chain mover for Josh Downs. I like that one. Um, I mean, that's the thing. He also called him a, a, a hiccup, and by that he meant he's so quick, you, you, you don't even know. Hiccup. Yeah, you don't even know what hit you, and then for a defensive player, they would need to go to the bench to get some water to try and 
get a handle on those hiccups. Fair. I always just hold my breath to get rid of hiccups. You hold your breath, and then you swallow. The girls scare you, maybe? Yeah. No, you know what you do if somebody else in the room has hiccups? You say to them, I'm going to give you $100 next time you hiccup. But you have to have a, if you actually have the money in front of you, nobody carries cash anymore. But you put the money down, and you're like, there you go, that's yours. If you hiccup in the next 30 seconds, they will not hiccup. Hmm. Why are you staring at me? I, I wouldn't make that wager, I don't think. Well, you've I would got just to be assume confident. it's not going to happen. I, as soon as the person understands the pressure that a hiccup allows them to get a hundred bucks, it's over. I'm telling you, hmm. works like a charm. Okay. Josh Downs, the last two years at North Carolina, 195 catches. That is a huge, huge number. He also missed two games. I brought up that North, uh, that Notre Dame game. I'll never forget as a Notre Dame fan. That was a big game on Notre Dame's schedule this past year. Downs had missed the previous two games. And just you know, listening to you know people and reading things on the North Carolina program, they were like, this is a huge injury for the program and his availability and all of that. And I mean, Jake, I said it for weeks leading into the draft. The Colts needed to find this type of wideout. You, you, you need to complement the big dudes you've got in Pierce and Pittman. And I think this has Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type vibes to it. I think he is that sort of slot presence that this sounds so Mel, Mel Kuyper-y, but think quick, not necessarily fast. Like just his ability to get in and out of those breaks, kind of the that that lateral stuff is more than his straight line speed. I mean, he's still fast. What's but different about him than Paris laterally. Campbell coming out of college? I would say that a little bit more lateral movement. I thought Campbell was more of kind of a straight line guy, and I think you have a little bit more of a fine tuned route runner. I think if you look at Campbell at Ohio State, Jake, it was Urban Meyer's Percy Harvin role at Florida, right? Whereas Downs is more of a he's a wideout. I mean, he is a wide receiver, a great slot receiver. He also has some punt return history, and I do think that could be something he could be utilized with. I, I think like punt the Colts return. could use that, yes? Yes, post-Naeem Hines, That'd they could nice. certainly use that. I think punt return would be the hardest, is the hardest skill set to find effective in the NFL. Like, oh, sure. It, it is such a weapon, and it is so hard to find. And, and kick return as well. But, like... Just to find, I think, can you imagine, I don't see how, I would be terrified to be a punt returner. I mean, people ask what's the hardest thing to do in professional sports, you know, hit a Nolan Ryan fastball or a a Clayton Kershaw curveball or, you know, try to score in the NBA. Can you imagine, first off, as I mentioned before, all you have to do is watch when they bring people out of the crowd at halftime to try to field the punt machine. Your depth is so off on where the football is even going to land. But you've got guys coming at you full speed. And you've got like the hardest thing to me, Kevin, about fielding punts, quite honestly, would be determining whether or not it is a punt that you are going to try to return or you fair catch it. How do you, how do you know that? Just feel. I mean, you've got yeah. to glance, look up, glance. You got to keep your eye on the ball, but you got to see what's coming at you. Yeah, I think it's a lot of feel. Obviously, split second decision making. I know this is not a game nor a memory that probably anyone wants to go back to. But speaking of punts and fielding punts properly, I think back to the Deflate Gate game, Jake. The Colts are in an AFC title game on the road in Foxborough. New England gets the ball to start the game, and the Colts get a three and out. 
to start that game. I mean, can you think of like a dream scenario? Boom, three and out against Brady and the Patriots in the AFC title game in this, you know, house of whores and all that. I mean, this is great. Like, this is, boy, ideal. And do you remember the name Josh Cribbs? Oh, yeah. Colts trot back Josh Cribbs to field that first punt. And, boy, a guy that I don't think he believed too much in the old fair catch. Josh Cribbs tries to field one. He muffs it. And the rest is history. Like, those moments in a game, gosh, so critical. But, yeah, Downs did it. North Carolina, Isaiah McKenzie, the Colts signed uh, in free agency. Maybe he could be a potential punt returner. But post Naeem Hines, something that uh, that they need to tap into. I, How about him and Richardson throwing on the parking lot? Yeah, I mean. Could they not have gone back to the fields? Their key card's not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the other's a better story, right? Do they play four square after that? That's right. The other's a better story. Hey, let's just go. Through. Was it like a? I, I picture it being like a Nerf football, <laughs> a vortex, I mean? maybe. Yeah, the whistle going. Yeah. Well, I think Richardson would, you know, be pretty good at the vortex. Oh yeah, the Nerf footballs, the original Nerf footballs. Before they had the the little plastic thingy on there, mm-hmm. like you're talking about the whistle. The original Nerf football. I can't be the only one. I want to know from people listening if I'm the if if I'm the only one that recalls this. The original Nerf football wasn't a true Nerf football until you got it totally soaked and then it dried. And then it was like just slightly hardened, but it was still soft. But it was perfect. And when you had a perfect Nerf football. It was like having your glove perfectly oiled and softened. I had a red and white Nerf football. There was even a chunk taken out of it. I don't remember like if a dog bit it or what. How about when the chunks got out of it? You're like, man. That usually happened after you got it soaked. It would start tearing up or you'd like slice your finger. Is this thing still going to fly well in the wind? No, but the the chunk though was like the, that was the sign of like, it was like having a a pair of jeans that were broken in. It It was just perfect, right? But I'm telling you, like the, I think we even got to the point where we would soak them naturally, let it dry out to the perfect perfect amount of time, just let it sit in the lab, the Nerf football. They were the best. The lab, a.k.a. the backyard sun. I have tried. That's right. That's exactly right. I, I've tried so many times. Like, if I'm walking somewhere and I see, I mean, you don't see it much anymore, but like a sporting good or a toy store to go in and find like the original Nerf. Those things were so you awesome. going to play it against sports? Yeah. I mean, man. So what's the original to you? Because I like I had a purple. It was like a half and half. Is a purple and a green one is the one I had. Oh, we the Vikings and Packers. That was good for you. Oh, get out of here. That, that's no. perfect. Yeah. Gosh, Packers are you going skull there? No, uh, never. The original didn't have any of the red and blue. Is kind of what, what 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 I think of. The size was different than like now. You can still get it. Had no grooves on it. Right. Right. It had painted. It was foam, but Painted it had laces. The, correct. It did have the little lace thing on it, but it was it was a closer size to an NFL football today than the than the nerfs, the littler ones that you get now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg was asking about Dallas Flowers as a punt returner. Yeah, he only had three punt returns last year, three for thirteen yards. It, kick returns was the big thing for Dallas Flowers last year. And Jake, I think you talk to a lot of people that have done the returns in the NFL. Kick returns and punt returns are very very different. In terms of oh, how much yeah, yeah. time you have to totally. anticipate, the type of ball that's coming at you, all of that. Kiki Kuti was really the main punt returner um, 
last year besides Hines. So I just think it's something that the Colts have got to look into. And again, Downs and, and Isaiah McKenzie have that history. And in some corner, Roger, Isaiah Rogers, Dallas Flowers, somebody else will be in the mix every, on that end. Everyone, I'm telling you, everybody who is listening to my voice that was born between 1970 and 1980 remembers exactly the color of their Nerf football. It, it's blazed in your mind. And in addition to that, probably the one area that's different for you guys than me, when I was a kid, no one played soccer, and so we never kicked the extra point. We Occasionally, Josh Simrow's backyard had two bushes that, that kind of perfectly aligned as goalposts. Yeah, we had two great trees in our backyard. Yeah, see, but but that other than that, you always either went for two or a touchdown was just seven. And every kid, while I'm on the nostalgic trip here, and people are driving in their car, I, I promise you there's at least one other person out there that's going to go, yep, he's right. Most... Boys my age, when learning multiplication tables in like second grade, we all knew the seven. Oh, without question. You're like 7, 14, 21, 28, mm-hmm. 35, 42, 49, 56, 63. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I learned math via Reggie Miller box scores in the Indy Star, and my threes were also, and I guess field goals, but threes were also good for me because Reggie would hit threes, and I'd be like, oh, he had three last night, three times three is nine, yeah, and I, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. The uh, worst Paulie would be you tweets- try to kick the extra points in my house, and they go like over the neighbor's fence. Like someone's got to go get that now. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Good luck saying hi. Uh, Polly tweet out a picture. Yeah, orange on the top, blue on the bottom. That's, yeah, that, I'm that, telling that's you. That's how I. Mine was red and white, but yes. Look at it. Uh, Lara Overton gonna join us here in a few with the next pick. The Colts had a, I think it was like a. 33-minute episode uh, yesterday. Extremely well done. We'll talk with Lara about that. That's the last one, right? That is the last one, yeah. Just two episodes. Um, And I wonder, you know, Lara's boss had you blocked on Twitter, Jake. Do you think Lara has you blocked? Should you check that before you? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I just want to make sure we clarify that before we bring Lara on. Uh, And then we'll talk some derby coming up in the nine o'clock hour. For no, we're good. Yep, no block. We're good. All right. Did Dave? It was Dave. Did he follow you back? Are you guys good on that front? Uh, Let me see if he still follows me. What do you think of the odds that he? under the pressure followed me and then immediately unfollowed yeah probably, probably waited a few days you know did the you know, the, the ex-boyfriend ex, ex-girlfriend or he does the follow mute mm. that's a good one Mark uh, morning check down time the morning check down Omaha on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. True Warriors fashion last night. True Warrior. Wasn't that um, Ron Artest's album? Yes. That was his record label. <laughs> 127-100. Golden State wins. Uh, not a close game at all. Really, starting about halftime, I guess. The Lakers did have a seven-point lead after one. But then the Warriors outscored them by 18 in the second and 19 in the third. Clay Thompson, eight three-pointers. 30 points. So that series is 1-1. The other series out west is 2-0. It's the only series right now where the home team won both games. Uh, That would be Denver. They're looking to go 3-0 tonight. That will be the later tip of the two games. The first game is going to be 76ers and Celtics, a slight favorite for Boston. Joel Embiid uh, back in Philly after winning the MVP. That series is 1-1. And then tomorrow we will get the Heat and the Knicks from Miami. That series is at 1-1. 3.30 tomorrow, Knicks and Heat. 8.30 tomorrow night, Lakers and Warriors. Uh, hey, Jake. Yes, my friend got a poof. It was a cheap knockoff of the Nerf football. He got razzed pretty hard by us. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Walter. Go get your poof. 
<laughs> I feel bad for it, man. Uh, Cubs yesterday. Uh, did you already list the major league no, scores? You did not, right? Nationals you. 4-3 over your Cubs yesterday, Mark. Get Thanks. Rockies 9-6 over the that. Brewers. I can give you all the scores from yesterday. Braves over the Marlins. It was the Angels 11-7 over the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals, man, are struggling. They're on a six-game skid. Detroit over the Mets, 2-0. Cute fella, 13-10 over the Royals. It was Minnesota, 7-3 over the White Sox. Tampa, Boston, Seattle, all winners. And the Indianapolis Indians, 5-2 over the Toledo Monday. Did you check to see if you were unblocked and or followed? It appears that now I might be muted, but it appears as though I'm good on both. Okay. I mean, Mark, can you imagine the ego hit right leading into the mini if that was still the case? Jake might yeah. finish. Now I got a cramp again. Bottom five. And they Bottom need come rub this one out of me. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> that didn't go well. What, what are we doing oh, here? Man. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I know we're headed to the weekend. Oh, my the God. here, Mark. But oh, let's boy. try to maintain a little bit. We're not even at the halfway mark. You haven't even, we haven't even seen the, 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 the oh. twin the pro flags. Said, I'm like, that sounds half- pretty bad, actually. That doesn't sound great. Wow. Can we clip that? out for you, Mark? Is that how it can go? Yeah. Uh, it sounds better. Uh, yeah. Jake, I've got nothing else. Yeah. I honestly probably just need a break room visit. I think we can use a break, yeah. Wow. Holy okay. shnikes. <laughs> Colts rookie Medicamp with the next pick talk. Uh, Lara Overton joins us next. Hey, HR's on three. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I believe we've sanitized the studio. Gosh, boy. Yeah, that was some soap in the mouth for Mark Dighton on that end. Uh, what are you talking about? Thank you to Josh Downs of the Colts. If you guys missed that, that will be up on the podcast we'll continue the Colts conversation with our next guest but I actually want to begin a little bit more of a uh, hometown feel for Lara Overton Lara it is derby week you are a Louisville product I guess New Albany right if I'm getting technical Um, what's like the ideal way to spend derby weekend never done it when I when I do attend how should I go about things Oh, it's the best week of the year. You're, you nailed it. Born and raised in New Albany, but a fanatical horse racing family. We not only would spend Derby Week at Churchill, we spend the Friday after Thanksgiving with our entire family at Churchill Downs as well. So it's a it's a multi-time of year kind of uh, holiday or venture for us to get over to Churchill. Uh, the best way to do it is to double dip and get Oaks and Derby within the same weekend, 100% worth it Friday the Oaks is um, of course the you know the Phillies and the run for the Lilies but it's more of the local day so, so is this like carb day more casual um, no, because it's it's like a, I mean it's it's all racing. It's I mean you could kind of say that like it's but it is a, a full day of all the races and it's you know just kind of in terms of stature just maybe one step below but almost the prestige. I mean Derby's one A, Oaks is one B. So I would say go down, do both days, go over to Wagner's and get breakfast. That's where my dad is right now. Um, so you know he would gladly escort you, welcome you along. Um, goes gets breakfast and then you know you're probably looking for your first julep vendor by about 11 a.m. Is a julep good? As my grandmother would say, the first one is terrible. The second one is better. By the time you get to the third, you just don't care anymore. 
That's probably a good way. Of saying I love it. your grandma. I, that is there, awesome. I always assumed that. I've always assumed That's that. How the, I felt about the coffee and mayo. The, it was awful. First sip horrific, but by the third, it was like drinking water. Oh, I was so bad. I, I always assumed, Larry, that the Oaks was kind of the locals' day to embrace it all and set themselves up mm-hmm. for the weekend before the out of towners and tourists arrived. Absolutely, because oftentimes when you get to Saturday of the Derby, it becomes really such a social spectacle, and it's all about the celebrities and you know what people are wearing, and there is, of course, attention on the race, but so many other things going on. It's a very much rub and elbow see and be seen, whereas I feel like Friday, the emphasis is truly on the locals who are there for the tradition and for the racing and all of that. Not to say I don't love the Derby just as much, but I think you get more of a well-rounded experience if you're able to really go and do both of the days and you know we have graduated from the point of doing the infield guys spring for the box you know do that it's well worth it um and certainly do two days of it i i it's truly just the best weekend and last year we did it with my entire family my baby niece turned one at the derby like we are next level in terms of you know derby enthusiasm well the thing i've always appreciated lara is that you know i have a great i think people know passion and and love for the indianapolis 500 because what it meant to exactly what you're saying what it meant to my childhood and my family and and everything else so when i watch the derby i watch it with a great respect for what it means to the people there because it is the louisville variation there a little i mean I, i get it different audience but it's the tradition it's the family traditions of what you do it's the wagners it's you know all those things so during my old kentucky home I get it. And I get it because Mm -hmm. I have something by which to relate to it. And I would say as well, part of it is in Louisville, you don't have pro sports, right? College basketball and college football are, are the center of the world. Aside from that first weekend in May when Louisville gets to be on the world stage. And I was always so proud to see that because in being a city that is smaller than Indianapolis, that doesn't have as many opportunities to host over the course of a calendar year, NFL games, NBA games, you know, the, you know. IndyCar racing, all of those things. I think that's another reason that well, you would you'd be really proud to see what they do for that week. Which during the apex of the Indy 500 was exactly the situation here, right? Because you didn't have the Colts. The Pacers yeah. were like you know bef- even before the Pacers, right? Like in the 50s and 60s, and certainly in my childhood up until the Colts arrived, you know the Pacers hadn't really arrived yet. So kind of the same thing. Lara, what about Lara Overton is our guest, by the way, um, from the Colts. What about the draft? If anything surprised you? I think you're always prepared for it to be unexpected. There's always going to be something kind of wild that unfolds. Um, You know, not really any of the picks or the fact that Chris Ballard was able to accrue more picks by the end of the weekend. I think that just the biggest surprise was what happened at three. And that was one of the things that you you see in with the next pick is you're inside the draft room to kind of watch a little bit of – how it felt when they were anticipating what was going to happen at the third pick in the draft, whether someone was going to jump up and try to take another quarterback. Or, of course, I don't, I don't know that anyone could have predicted that it would be Houston jumping up to go back-to-back. 
Lara Overton is with us. Obviously, she does a little bit of everything over there at West 56th Street. Um, TV personality, producer, host, reporter, etc. Larry, the with the next pick series, you and I had this conversation before. Just give me all the behind the scenes stuff. I I, I think it's tremendous. Um, did you have a favorite moment when watching that final episode of whether it was a scout, whether it was a coach, whether it was a draft pick, a scene? Uh, what what would you kind of point to as maybe one of your favorite moments from it? Oh my gosh! I think part of it was. Part, it's kind of twofold. I'm going to go being able to capture a draft pick there at the draft. Finally, we've never been able to do that, to actually have our first round pick in Kansas City, have our crew there spending hours with Anthony and his family, make the trip, coming to Indy. You know, that's something different. When we drafted Quiddy Pay, when the Colts drafted Quiddy Pay, he wasn't at the draft. That We were able to have a crew that traveled to meet him and come back. But in terms of getting that immediacy of the reaction and being there was something we had not been able to capitalize on. Really proud of the work that Kimberly Skoog and Colin Schrader did being there in Kansas City. They had a huge task on their shoulders, rose to the occasion. They were incredible. And then how do you just not love the pureness, the authenticity, the realness of Josh Downs and that phone call with Chris Ballard and then Chad Henry, the area scout who advocated and wanted Josh Downs. And they were, they felt very fortunate that he did fall to them where, where he was able to, where they were able to get him. And there's a moment where, and, uh, you know, oftentimes the scouts are going to say, you know, give you the answer. Oh, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you advocate for your guy. But at the end of the day, it just matters that we're, we're getting a good draft class and they're all Colts and doesn't matter where they come from. Well, I sit down with Chad, who is just so such a character in and of himself. And I ask, I said, and you hear this in the piece, I said, how much did you want Josh Downs? And he goes, a lot. I mean, there was just like no holding back on, on how invested he was in trying to make this guy a cult. Those were a few of, of my favorite moments uh, of this year's episode, this year's part two, that I feel really proud of. Okay, I'm going to ask the dumbest question, Lara, and I've asked probably really dumb questions to you over the years, but I'm going to ask a really dumb one here. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was watching, and I can't remember if it was the Richardson video of the phone call or Downs. It was one of those. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute. So did the Colts have a crew that was with Anthony Richardson the whole time? And if so, wouldn't that have made it obvious to him where he was going? Or does every team, or is that a pool feed where the NFL is filming guys taking the phone call and then it's distributed to whichever team is the one that is the one making the call? No, great question. So, um, we had covered multiple pro days too in advance of the draft also. So we had covered our bases in a lot of areas so we would be prepared for how to spell in a number of different scenarios. And then when it comes to the draft, the NFL, of course, has camera crews and NFL films, has guy has crew station for each phone call and then there is a bit of sharing that goes on right they'll ask so, for some of ours and back and forth yes so the video that i mean it's neither here nor there I, it doesn't matter but that was not shot like it's not like the colts sent a crew that was sitting right next to anthony richardson it was like all right guys go and then he's like well wait a minute this the colts have been sitting here next to me the whole time clearly that's where i'm going that is so a they're only right there are only certain areas that teams can be so team productions are designated to certain areas no team 
no specific franchise could say, hey, we're going to go sit with, you know, CJ Stroud gotcha, yeah. while this is happening. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a different area in which the teams have access to versus what the crews that are assigned to cover the draft for the league and what they have access to. Can Lara Overton is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Lara, rookie minicamp begins later today. We had Josh Downs on just a little bit earlier. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, it'll be his first time on an NFL field. Um, I think he speaks to the media tomorrow. I Part of me would say no, just because you probably want to temper expectations with Anthony Richardson. But anything planned this weekend with the rookies? Like, would Richardson be mic'd up? Anything following following him around, or anything else? I guess we should look forward to uh, from a content standpoint. Um, I wouldn't say strictly Richardson. There will be content on all of the rookies because this is a significant class. I think this is probably the the most anticipated draft that we covered from a with the next pick perspective. And we saw the hunger that there was, the appetite that there was, of course, for Anthony Richardson, but then Juju Brents and Josh Downs and all of these different guys. Certainly the excitement is there for Anthony, but we will certainly be able to put out some content that encompasses all of the weekend's events and, you know, the guys getting in the building for the first time and doing all of that. So we will be sure to get some content to you guys over the course of the weekend with Anthony Richardson, but all of those significant draft picks of this class. Okay, and then Oaks plus Derby, but no infield. How many infield derbies did you have in your in your career? Never. I mean, I passed through it, but no, because when I was finally old, I mean, I guess I never went in college because we'd be in the middle of the outdoor track season. That would be the Ah, week. So this is always the weekend before conference championships. So I did not go until I was out of college and working and producing the morning show for WDRB. And we would do our morning show live for the two weeks ahead of the draft uh, out there, or or the draft, look at me, the two weeks ahead of the Derby, we would go live. So I first worked the Derby in that regard and then covered the Derby, did some red carpet interviews and would go, I don't know, been done maybe 10 um, in terms of just enjoying, but always being able to ride the coattails of my parents and sit with them, which is really nice. So the infield of the Derby, I mean, it's, it's not the infield of the Indy 500, right? I mean, it's. I realize in relation to sitting in the boxes, it is, but it's not like the- you don't see a horse, right? You really don't. I mean, they've installed bigger screens and things now um, to so that you might be able to to some degree. But you know, there's not a there's not a EDM concert occurring in the infield of the Derby. But it's yeah. I mean, it's more of just kind of a, a party than anything else but are people wearing like for some reason with the indy 500 lara and i don't know when this came to be but it became almost like to me it's i'm not going to say it's offensive but it's almost like a mockery of patriotism like you have these people that are like i'm going to dress as much like you know what americana as i can and like wear cut off jeans and tank tops you don't see that at the derby though right in the infield um, it's a little, no, I would say it's, it's not quite that, at least that I've experienced. It's like a, it's definitely more like laid back, but there's still a preppiness. That's what I figured. Okay. Of, a little more Southern flavor. You know, maybe you catch a little seersucker maybe out there and some sundresses and whatnot. Yeah. I, okay. I can, I can go for that. That's cool. 
I just got a text here. Infield of the Derby is hell, in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you been in the infield here? Well, come on. Yeah, I, it might be heaven for, for some people. <laughs> Shaq true. this year in the infield at the 500. Lara, uh, great work. Matt Wilkening, Kevin Connors. I know I'm missing gobs and gobs of people over there that uh, did outstanding um, work on that. And I know it's a whole long process with many departments involved. So congrats on that, and I'll see you in a bit. Hey, and I know it is. It's a huge lift for Colts Productions. Matt Wilkening is the absolute like brilliance of it all in terms of editing it and pulling it together. And you know, one of the things that we've been, you know, you're flattered by is that since Dave Knickerbocker initiated with the next pick and started this five years ago, we've seen a lot of other teams do things similarly. I would say something that we do better than anybody else is how we expedite it, the quickness with which Matt is able to edit it and turn that around, and then also just the way that we feature the different personalities and the characters that we were able to showcase over this year two episodes, which was about 50 minutes of total content in its entirety. So two different episodes rather than three or four, but overall probably more access and actually more content than we've ever been able to do before. Lara, have a great weekend. Hey, see you tomorrow, or see you later today, right? Yes. See you in a bit. Local, I'm telling you, local news sports people, which is what Matt Wilkinson was. He worked at Channel 13 for many years. Extremely good at his Um, Local sports people, and by that I mean those that work as Larry did at Fox 59, you know, Chris Hagan, Dave First when he was at 6, Brad Brown there now, Anthony at Channel 8, Rich and I when he was at 13, Matt Wilkinson, the Otis Jones at Channel 6, the photographers and the... We always laughed, Kevin, on election nights because on election nights, the news department, they'd bring in pizzas and they're all like, oh my gosh, like we are working so hard. The results aren't coming in until 930 and we've got them on the air at 11. And so let's bring in pizza for everybody and celebrate and pat everybody on the back and the boss is here to make sure everybody's working so hard and everybody's dragging and the sports department's like, yeah, we do that every night. Every night a Pacer game ends at 1015 and we've got highlights turned around and we're on the air at 11. Like, we do it every night. Sports people could just do it. Uh, I'm not saying me, but like a Matt Wilkinson, for example, like turning around packages, editing stuff, putting it into the system, and doing it under the the biggest of time crunches where you've got like a 30-second margin for error. I loved it. Loved it. And most of those people love it, and you can see it. That's why the Colts have hired... Even though he's no longer there, Joe stole away from Channel 8 and Matt Wilkinson from 13 and Kevin Connor from Channel 8. They've hired those guys because they're the best at turning things around quickly and seeing through the lens what people don't normally see. So yeah. it, it's great. Jake's got his feet up on election night on his desk. Enjoy your pizza, you yeah, nerds. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I have always said, and I will say this for the 1,000th time, and I'm telling you right now, people that work in local news, when they hear this, if they work in news, they're like, you know what? He's actually right. And if they work in sports, they're like, hell yeah, he's right. I have always said, you can take any sports person at a TV station and airdrop them into election coverage, and they can do it seamlessly. You take any news person and airdrop them into a sports story, it's a total disaster. Every time. You take them away from the teleprompter, it is a total disaster. You take a sports person and drop them in to cover election results, they're like, give me 30 seconds to read what I need to, and I'll spit it out for eight minutes. I'm telling you.
Well, uh, we'll do some derby conversation coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Caleb Keller from FanDuel TV going to join us. Uh, if you want to lay down a friendly wager, maybe a more aggressive one, we'll chat about that with him coming up here in a bit. Again, a really nice Friday here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquary, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, Steve just uh, sent this to us. It's kind of been going around the last 24 hours. I think there was a writer from The Athletic that mentioned how there wasn't, I don't know, a, a lot of celebrations in the Colts draft room post Anthony Richardson selection. Um, I would beg to differ on that. Uh, at the same time, while I think the most important decision makers inside of that building were big, big fans of wanting Richardson, um, I don't think, or I should say, I know it was not a universal decision by everyone that you would consider important over there. I think there are some pretty high-ranking people, uh, or I should say at least one high-ranking person that is skeptical of the selection. But yes, I think when you are talking about a Steichen and a Ballard and a Nursay, uh, this is the guy that they uh, they wanted. Uh, those that matter are on board, right? Except yeah, you could probably you know, stop at those three. You know, certainly when you get a, a, a trickle down, there'll be a lot of one-on-one time for Cam Turner, the quarterback's coach. I mentioned this before. Cam Turner uh, worked with Cam Newton in Carolina early on, kind of transitioned eventually over the quarterback side there, and then uh, a lot with Kyler Murray in Arizona. So a bit of a dual threat background to his nature. And then Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, doesn't have a ton of young QB history in his background. He was with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville last year. Um, so that is something that obviously, um, you know, worked out great for Jacksonville. But uh, yeah, for the people that are going to be working with him most directly on field, yeah, I think all of them are fans of it. And, you know, mentioned it in the first hour of the show, you know, Jim Bob Cooter's comments, I thought on with the next pick was exactly how this needs to be viewed of there is tons of potential here, but he always would throw in the caveat of if we do it right, if we build it right, if we make sure the right atmosphere is here, all of that. You, you you have to continue to provide a stable, growing, prospering environment for Richardson because if you don't, then this is a guy that's not going to get all the way to the top. Well, then the second variable becomes this, and this probably is just a feel thing, Kevin, but how long do you give a rookie quarterback before you are determined how long does a rookie quarterback get before you make the determination that you have seen enough to know who he is yeah that's a great question um it's a really difficult one to answer i know you know i think there would have been i mean hell that jake there might have been people saying wait peyton manning threw the most interceptions of any rookie in nfl history we're bailing on him after year right Um, i remember i mean i was working at the cigar store at that time so got you know it's like working at a sports bar and i I can't tell you the number of people that are like, I'm telling you, the Colts should trade Peyton Manning and draft Brian Greasy and use the pieces to build around Brian Greasy because he was coming out of Michigan. They just won it. Bob Greasy connection. I, there were there were definitely people, I'm not saying people of influence, but there were definitely fans in Peyton's rookie year that were like, I don't know, man. I mean, Mike Vanderjat into his career. You know, I just, I don't, I just don't see it out of him. You know, I mean, it was there. Well, I mean, think about after the 6-10 and 10 season. You know, that was year four, right? 
I mean, you go six and ten. That was not the linear sort of. I think a lot of people thought thirteen and three in year two, and then boom, it was smooth sailing from then on out. Um, obviously, you had a coaching change with with Mora to to Tony Dungy and everything, but um, that I think will be the most difficult thing to properly evaluate. Like, what does success look like? What does growth look like? Is it win loss? Is it you know? Is it completion percentage? You know, someone made the golf analogy to me yesterday of you hear all this talk about Anthony Richardson in practice settings. Morocco Brown talked about that a lot with the with the next pick series. Is this a guy that just looks good on the driving range, but in games right. his flaws come out? Uh, that I think is that is a real conversation. And you know, I brought up Zach Kiefer yesterday about what happens fourth quarter game on the line. That's taking it another step further, but those are questions that I don't think you have any sort of proper answer on, and that's why I think you need to play him as early as possible to try and get to that answer um, sooner rather than later. All right, we'll do some derby talk coming up here in the 9 o'clock hour. It's a freebie Friday for the pop quiz as well. Kevin and Corey right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically, it's a 9 o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton. It's Kevin and Query on a Friday. How are you? Good-looking Friday. Mini marathon. Of, matter of fact, I got to crack open another Pedialyte. Oh, I thought they were PBR. I thought that. Yeah. I was like, boy, that's quite yeah. the cocktail. Pass before that tomorrow. this way, sir. Here we go. Yeah. You know, I can, going I don't know if you know, but I can set records on how fast I can drink this. Well, I think we should put that to test right now. <laughs> uh, this is the what flavor? We really start to. Uh, this is we're going with uh, berry blue. See, I've tried Pedialyte. It's too thick. Like I feel well, like you got to like go a, with the generic. It's like a syrup. Um. This is two things here. We really ramp up our Indy 500 conversation at IndyCar stuff starting next week, right? Mm-hmm. This is the weekend of the Miami Grand Prix in Formula One, I believe, right? That sounds right. Which means you know what happened on this weekend a year ago. Boy, do I. <laughs> that was when uh, <laughs> we had the Paolo Bancaro patrick Mahomes mistake, correct? Well, F- <laughs> <laughs> Happy anniversary. Oh, that was great. Paul Boncaro, NBA Rookie of the Year, correct? Yeah, by a long shot. Think he knows, you think he knows who he is now? I would hope. Well, F- <laughs> I'll never forget one uh, one morning, you know, kind of a college morning that I... Uh, had I got to time little, you. You can't just start. I got to time you. I had to make a little CVS run in the morning and plopped up a couple of... Plop? Pedialytes. Now... You couldn't do that when I was mid-swig. I was about to choke that back up. Plop, flopped a couple of Pedialytes on the counter, and you know the older woman behind the counter is like, oh, sick young children. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> she only knew what this headache was right now. And I just smiled and said, no, not yet. Rough night, huh? Pedialyte's probably one of the more um, interesting products that can be used for all ages. Mm-hmm. Yes. And trying to get them and, into and better shape. feel guilty. You could always say, yes, it is for my children, even <laughs> if I don't have any children. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't I'm know. halfway through there, Jake. I wasn't, wasn't really in a lying state at that, at that point of the morning. A Jake dowsing a Pedialyte. Now, currently. does that do anything for you, doing it faster, or are you just trying to Gets show it off? out of the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gets into the veins quicker, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does help, though. If you are running the mini marathon tomorrow, and again, Motman and I are doing it. I don't know that we're going to run the whole thing, but if you are uh, new to it, if you've not done it, if you are planning on running for the majority of it, 
it is important to hydrate today, and that and I'm being serious. And I would recommend highly drinking two Pedialytes today, and and then plenty of water, and that will absolutely facilitate you and reduce your chance of cramping. It's really weird. I've had two of the years that I've done it on the final stretch. You get these calf zaps. It's hard to explain. Like. Vit, vit, like back and forth from your left to your right leg and you're like oh my gosh and you feel like your legs are going to lock up you're like what what do i do now if my legs lock up it's your quads get super sore from the pounding of the pavement and your knees it's something i mean it's it's a have either one of you guys ever done it you said no i have no never um i'm still rattled about my horse that did the load management thing (laughs) Can we, do you think that's what they're talking about in Louisville Radio today? For those that missed it, Practical oh. Move was my horse that I was looking forward to um, putting a nice wager on. And because of an elevated temperature, yeah, well, he has been scratched. He's got a bit of a, he's got a, bit of a fever. I mean, can we not just uh, Motrin, Tylenol? An elevated temp on Wednesday, Thursday, that doesn't mean an elevated temp come race day. Do they have horses on the waiting list? Not enough Pedialyte. Now, are there horses on the waiting list? You mean like alternates? Yeah. They just slide right in there? That's a good question. Angel of Empire is going to win. Yeah, that, that that is my new pick. Is it, well, You can't do that. I've already done well, it. I already said it earlier in the week. I said my two favorite horses were Practical Move and Angel of Empire. Cyclone Mischief. I thought you went with like... Conf, big confidence or something I don't know something affiliated confidence game with your ego that describes me in college actually shortly after college and then there's always a long shot right there's always one well, last that, like, year we had the, the once in a generation how about Ray's Kane I love shouldn't the chicken be, shouldn't that be R-A-C-E Ray's Kane when I mean, it's a horse race right I like reincarnate though. You know what? Reincarnate. How about this? You heard it here first. No oh boy. No oh man. The storylines and the headlines and everything else. If on the 50 year anniversary of Secretariat's legendary Triple Crown, reincarnate comes out and shocks the world and wins the derby, the reincarnate of Secretariat 50 years after the fact. Give me reincarnate. What I don't know about to win. Do you see odds? 50 to 1. Starting on the outside, you dive down early. Well, if we're not picking get to the winners, rail. then what are, we, what, what are we picking here? Win, play, show, buddy. Trifecta. So, what was your pick then? The 50 to 1 shot to win it all? I'm, I'm going to pick reincarnate to, at the very least, show. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say win, but I'll bet he shows. Well, let's pick winners here. Well, the winner, I told Well, here's the thing, though. Kevin stole my pick, but I had it first. Angel of Empire is going to yeah, win. Mark, we pulled the audio from earlier in the week. How about you guys just share it? It's fine. You can share it, Angel of Empire. Angel like. of Empire wins. Cyclone Mischief. Okay. Angel of Empire wins. Reincarnate places and cyclone of mis- cyclone mischief shows. There you go. Now you need to you need to put that into a little win show play. See how much money you'd be potentially getting out. Can of you it. do that? I'm shocked Jake didn't go with confidence game. I know that's 
I'm a little I mean, worried about you where you you're at right now. You game earlier this week, which is one of the more disturbing and uncomfortable things you've ever uttered on these What's airwaves. That? You said you oozed game. That is uncomfortable until Mark got the mic about a half hour ago. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Give me Col- Rocket Can. Rocket Can. 33-1. to 1. Let's do this. Colts have announced their 15 undrafted free agents. Um, the big name amongst that group would be Cathedral Product and Alabama Product, Emil Echior. Uh, 40 starts at right guard. Kevin Query. Jake, I, this might sound absurd, and we got a long ways to go, but if you're going to list like the five rookies that might play the most, I mean, if Emil Echior shows you something, he could take Will Fries' job, potentially. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it feel like if you're a starting lineman for Georgia, Alabama, or like Clemson, that you're probably three year starter? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Totally how do you not agree. get drafted? You totally know? agree. And and, and again, uh, the thought was that he was going to get drafted. Wait, do we have Matthew on the line? Mm-hmm. Matthew, you did a little mini action this weekend. Yes. Good morning, Kevin. How has your trip been from, so you got up in Portland, Maine yesterday at the crack of dawn, you flew through Philadelphia from Maine to come to Indianapolis, you are strictly here to soak in all that goes with the mini marathon and for the first time embrace the city that you've adopted as your faraway home, right? Yes, that's correct. And I want a full report and breakdown of your trip. Okay, um... Portland to Philly wasn't that bad. Had to get up at 2.30 in the morning to leave my house. That sucks. Yeah, I live in central Maine, so it's about 80 miles north of Portland, which is southern southern Maine. Philadelphia is a massive airport, biggest one I've seen. I've only been in, you know, five in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, so you land in Indy. First place you hit. Oh, well, our our hotels, because we actually checked in early to get that out of the way. Okay, nap, no nap. I tried to nap. I got a brief one in. Okay, uh, sinus congestion from allergies, yes or no? Uh, yes, it's terrible. Really? Gosh. Okay. Um, you no and Jake, you go to the doctor. So is this the biggest city you've ever been to? Yes. Wow. Deep. Okay. Um, your overall thoughts on downtown Indianapolis? It's nice so far. It's a uh, boy. That was an arena endorsement. <laughs> it has an alarming amount of scooters, which yeah. seems a little unnecessary. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, Matthew, but get in, get a good look at those because as soon as I become mayor, they're all going on White River. Those and those yeah, pedal bars, they're all gone. Um, okay, lunch or dinner? Uh, where have you eaten so far? Um, my hotel lobby and St. Elmo's are the only places so far. Oh, well, how was the Continental this morning? <laughs> Did you enjoy like a like a an omelet? What'd you have? I had a sausage, egg, biscuit, and uh, oatmeal. And okay, coffee. shrimp cocktail sauce. Yes or no? Yes, I had it last night. Only cried once. That, that's impressive. <laughs> and you're nervous for the mini. Yes or no? Yes. You'll be fine. Drink. Well, when you when you see Jake, slap him on the back tomorrow and tell him to pick up the pace. All right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have no shot of catching Jake, but we'll see. Matthew, good luck. Safe travels. Glad that you are getting a taste of Indy here in the month of May on that end. What, what is the number? 30,000 tomorrow? Is that, is that it used high? to be 30,000. I don't know if they've gotten it back up to that coming off of. I think it is about 30, though. Matthew, you'll be fine. Enjoy it. That's the big thing. Just have fun with it.
just have fun with it. There's all the sentences are going on. It's awesome. Uh, we'll have some derby conversation here in just a few minutes. Caleb Keller from FanDuel going to join us and give out a pick. Uh, how does it work, Jake? You you, you tow the uh, starting line with like a certain pack. I, I assume you're not in the lead pack. Oh no! What I always do is I skip up to the lead corral and then they they start. You know, they, you, you get going and you're running with like college runners and you know the elite level runners so you got no choice but to keep the pace up for till you till you hit about the zoo um and then at that point i usually hit the portalette because you you know i've had like nine red bulls in the morning excuse me why did why well you drink a lot of water sounds like the butler basketball team you're hydrating a lot right you're not going it's not bobby hurley in the final four one of those where you're waiting for the porta potty but you're still running in place i gotta (laughs) keep the speed up gotta keep going yeah that's right um so anyway and then you kind of blend back in and then at that point you're kind of a mix the 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 real depressing thing is when you start looking at people's corrals like wait a minute that guy just passed me and he's corral x that means he started in the very back but it's fun i'm telling you like it's cool but tomorrow is really just about staying moving. I'm not, with quite frankly, and I'm not making excuses here. I'm being completely honest. Just with all the schoolwork and stuff, my daily gym routine is way off of what it was even a year ago. So, be back on the swing of that next year. But I was, I just was too tied up for the for the most part for the last three four months. Well, it didn't so. sound like it on that final paper that you turned in. Yeah, well, you know what? I got news for you. The, Easy now. The, okay. The little teaching instructor. Oh, boy. You, you want to make sure you're walking on Wednesday here. Come on now. And only last minute. Uh, let's take off Jason Lloyd Query. They, the they called me yesterday to do an article um, for like some publication. I don't know where, where it is, but the marketing department called me, so they got no choice now. And, and I was very nice about the writing instructor that gave me that, that said I'm a poor writer. I was like, that's cool. I'm just, I'm Clearly didn't bother you. No, no, not at all. Hasn't I'm kept you up bit, at night at all. I'm a little bit competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake graduating coming up on Wednesday, as we said earlier in the week. Kenny Moore graduating from Valdosta State coming up this weekend. So obviously a popular time of year for graduates uh, all around the United States. And after the mini coming up tomorrow, uh, it'll be the Grand Prix next Saturday afternoon. What's that, Jake? Like a 3.30 start time? 3 o'clock, something like that? Um, the GMR what? Grand Prix. I'm looking up there. I think that three thirty sounds right. Uh, and then obviously quals the weekend after that, and it's the same qualifying format as last year. Yes, that is correct. So we'll bump one car, and then the fast twelve. And I think how the qualifying Sunday will work is, again, you, you, you'll slot in whatever it is, spots thirteen to thirty. Yeah, thirteen to thirty on Saturday, and then on Sunday. You'll slot in the top four rows and then bump one car. Um, and we'll obviously talk a whole lot more about that. Doug Bull is going to join us every Monday here during the month of May. By the way, 3.30 is correct for the GMR Grand Prix. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline right now. we got to get more to the Derby. Lay down some wagers. Caleb Keller from FanDuel TV joins us. Caleb, good morning. Good Oaks Day to you, if that makes sense at all. Thank you. Just got here. Everybody's dressed up and uh, got their colors on to enjoy this day. And, of course, uh, the biggest race coming up tomorrow. But Oaks has got a lot of personality to it over the years. And got a group group of Phillies going later on, and we're looking forward to it. Okay, weather-wise, it looks like a pretty good Friday and Saturday. So, uh, from a betting standpoint, do, does that mean uh, the fast pacers are people we need to keep an eye on? 
I think so. At least in terms of today, the favorite, wet paint, uh, whether it rained or um, didn't, I think she was going to be in a pretty good spot. So I don't think that um, anybody was really expecting any rain. There was a chance that maybe tomorrow morning early there could be a little bit of rain, but uh, by the time race day comes around, I hope for a sunny, fast track. You know, the so Forte is, I believe, the odds-on favorite. Uh, there have been years, Caleb, with the Kentucky Derby, where there was one horse that just appears to be, you know, where people are like, this is it. This is the one that could be the next secretary, the next Seattle slew, the next cigar, whatever. I haven't heard as much discussion about that this year, but maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention. Is there, is Forte like the clear cut can't miss or is this a pretty open field? Uh, I don't think that you're going to see a horse to that level. And one thing about all the Triple Crown winners is that they were all coming to Louisville as clearly the absolute one to beat. And there was no question about it. So, you know, for Forte, um, he's got the class to be able to win this. Very similar to Nyquist. He was the two-year-old champ that has maintained the crown. But in terms of a Triple Crown opportunity for Forte, Todd Putcher never really wants to run in the second leg of uh, the Triple Crown of the Preakness. He kind of only goes there if he has to like he did with both of his derby winners that didn't really fire at all. So Butcher's not really a guy that even looks at the second jewel of the Triple Crown. He tries for the derby, and then he excels in the third leg, the Belmont. So I'd have a tough time seeing it this year, at least from him. This is kind of going off on a tangent, but I remember this last year, and obviously it was a huge upset. But do you think, Caleb, we should get to a point where you almost kind of sign up for a, if you are doing the derby and you win, you have to do the Preakness and the Belmont? Not not really, because, I mean, Eric Reed set a new precedent last year where, you know, he won with Rich Strike, came out of nowhere, and then he opted out of the Preakness, which has been a long, long, long time since a Derby winner's not run. So you can't force it, because in typical horse racing these days, I mean, these horses are more on a four- to five- to six-week schedule, whereas, you know, they've kept for 100-plus years the two-week spacing between the Derby and the Preakness, and that's after you just ran the race of your life. So uh, the two weeks was, was way more common a hundred years ago, but with horses racing more sparingly, it's a real big ask to come back in just two weeks. Caleb, when I ask this question, I'm granting you permission to then, when you get around horse racing people to say, listen to what this total moron in Indianapolis <laughs> asked me today. Okay. When the horses are brought to Louisville, are they transported strictly by ground because is there any detriment to being like in the cabin pressure of an airplane when they are transported? Do they ha- Are there special conditions of transport that are made that are thought to be the most advantageous for the physical condition of the horse? There are absolutely. I mean, the way that they fly horses these days, it's very amazing. You know, the first thing they do is they simulate a stall. So they're going to have somewhat of the same dimensions, maybe a little bit tighter, but this, they're going to have hay around, they're going to have soft bedding, and they're also going to have companions. You know, horses are companion animals, so rarely would they ever just fly a horse by themselves. So, you know, you put these horses in there, they've been trained well, uh, they've been broken early in their career, and when you put them onto, you know, what is a simulated stall with some friends next door that they can kind of uh, rub their noses against, it's a pretty seamless move. Uh, some horses also do travel in by van. You know, there's a handful of horses that came over from Lexington, which is only about an hour trip down 64, and they can come over by van. But if you think about it, I mean, going back to, let's say, like the 1930s with Seabiscuit, I mean, these horses were traveling on train to get, you know, from New York to California. So uh, the shipping that they do is pretty amazing. And, and for the most part, I rarely hear of any hiccup for a horse making travel on a plane. 
Okay, my other question is, like in auto racing, which is what people in Indianapolis obviously can relate to when it comes to big races, there are different tracks change in the weather condition. Now, that doesn't affect, you know, some drivers like to run. If it's a road and street course, they say they like rain. I don't believe that anybody does, but but things do change. Is there a horse in this particular field of the Kentucky Derby that is more track condition sensitive than others or is the, which horse is the safest most reliable prediction regardless of what weather is going to be and which one is looking closest at the forecast well i think that confidence game is a horse that's getting some buzz and a confidence game's coming in off the longest layoff in my mind the only chance that he would have had to win this race is if it was raining uh you know his sire was a horse that loved the mud and uh, his last race, you know, he just – horses can – in my mind, a horse can get up to five lengths better on the slop, and they can also very easily get five lengths worse on the slop. So I don't really compare apples to oranges. I look at fast track racing and, and wet track racing as, as separate entities. And one thing's for sure, when you go to a fast to a wet track, rarely do you give the same performance. You're either going to get a little bit better or a lot better or a little bit worse and a lot worse. So it, it's, it's very night and day in my mind. So confidence game is a horse that people are buzzing about. But in my mind, with the rain not coming, I got a tough time seeing it. I thought that he was probably rain dependent. And then, you know, you look at Forte. He doesn't have a lot of experience uh, over the wet ground. And I think that he would prefer the fast track for the favorite, and that looks like it's what he's going to get. Okay, Caleb Keller here, FanDuel TV, joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at CalebFDTV. The info speaks for itself. I try to predict which horse will run in a circle the fastest. Simple, effective. I love that, Caleb. Um, Okay, Um, I'm going to give you $10. Uh, how are you spending that $10 from a betting standpoint on the Derby? And then I will ask you how you would spend $100 from a betting standpoint on the Derby. So let's start with the $10 portion. Okay, let's go $5 to win in place on Angel of Empire. He's the one that I feel the best about to run his race. He's a horse that I saw in early January. And he, I just think that he has the most stamina in the field. And he's got a really nice move around the turn. He's trained by the biggest rising star in all of horse racing, Brad Cox. Brad Cox, his home base is right here at Churchill. And he's got the perfect jockey in Flavian Pratt. Flavian, when he, he, he's great at reading the pace. He reminds me of one of those great early 1990s jockeys, your Gary Stevens and DeSormos of the world that really have that internal clock and they, they don't have any panic. And horses can, can sense nerves when a jockey gets on top of them. And when Flavian gets aboard, he's very, very calm. And Angel of Empire's been the most calm horse all week. Forte showing great body language. He's, he's showing so much energy. But that could backfire a little bit with 100,000 people when he's got this nervous energy that he's waiting to get to the gate. You know, the Japanese horse has been good, but he's, he's very curious. He looks around at a lot of things. Whereas Angel of Empire just comes out there so focused, so calm, doing anything they handle needs. So $5 to win in place for the $10 bet, I feel like it's going to be my best bet. Okay, and then how about the $100 pool? Okay, so for the $100 pool, let's keep Angel of Empire in first and second, and let's take some more money to wheel the trifecta. And I think that some horses to get into that trifecta, I think that Kings Barnes is underrated. He is very lightly raced, but he's got a sneaky, relaxing mode. He's got the speed to make the lead, but I think in this race, he's going to very calmly sit back and be in a striking position, and he just waits on his cues. And this is another horse that carries zero stress. You know, when you got 140,000 people, when you got a talented horse that 
runs calmly or has no stress, that's the key. So I'm going to put Kings Barnes in this trifecta wheel. I'm also going to put Skinner. Skinner's the guy that looks like he can really run. about Skinner. He can run all day. Um, those are a couple long shots. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get the favorites in there as well. Right, Forte, it's tough for Forte when you're a two-year-old champion because you're, you're maintaining the crowd. A lot of these other horses are ascending up the ladder, whereas he's been the king of the jungle since going back to last October. And then he had it through November. And then he was the two-year-old champion. And then he came out this year and he won twice again. So, you know, he's maintained that crown beautifully. But this is the toughest field that he's faced. So, you know, I I can still see Forte running a big race, but maybe not winning. But the key here for this trifecta, again, Angel of Empire in first and second. And I want to get Skinner, the nine horse, in there. And uh, Kings Barnes as well. I think those two have got a great chance of hitting this trifecta. Okay, Caleb. Here's the thing, and, and I I hope I don't I shouldn't have said this to you off the top because you might have gotten a little nervous. What you're dealing with here is three guys that make up the uh, 17th rated mid market morning radio show in the United States. <laughs> I don't even know so, for that. Huh? Yes. So as a result nice. of that, uh, we've got to ask about Hit Show. Uh, that that I don't know if that's named for us or not, but does Hit Show have any chance? I think he does because he's. You got to be careful when you say the name, by the way, on radio, but hit show. <laughs> he, he also goes after the same trainers, Angel of Empire, for Brad Cox. I, anything's possible with Brad. I think Brad Cox is going to be, you know, the new rising star. Not rising star. He's going to be the star of American dirt racing over the next 10 years. And the thing about hit show, in five of his races, all five stars, he's been the favorite. And now in this race, he's going to be a big long shot. And then if you look at his last race, he broke from the all the way outside 13 out of 13 and had a bad trip. This race, he breaks from the one, which a lot of people think that's a bad post. I don't really, because he's going to save the ground. He won't be wide. He's not going to bid for the early lead. And his mom got better with time, actress. And his dad is my favorite sire, Candy Ride. So I love the pedigree. I love the fact that he's been the favorite all five times, and now he's going to be a big old price. And I also really like the fact that he was so, so wide last time, and this time he should save the most ground in the field. Okay, then lastly, the one that I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, Caleb, and you know who am I to tell you here? Uh, reincarnate. I'm telling you, 50th anniversary of Secretariat. Uh, the, you see the headlines now. It's a reincarnation of Secretariat's dominance. 50 to 1, comes from the outside, gets to the rail, wins the race. Am I out of my mind? Now, I will say this about Secretariat with this 50th anniversary. Uh, we just picked up the commemorative Woodford Reserve bottle, which is one of my favorite commemorative bottles. It's just beautiful with him in the winter circle. I think they got a 50th anniversary stamp my family's looking to get, but we're, we're collecting all the Secretariat swag here for the 50th. The one thing I will say about Reincarnate, and I, I don't think I can buy him on the win. And I do think, though, that they're going to press out and maybe try to find the lead. He, he's got a he's got a constant rhythm, but he doesn't necessarily have a big burst. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna come along with a burst late or a big burst sometimes early. So, in talking to the jockey and watching his last workout where they worked him pretty fast, I get the sense he's gonna make a big impact on this race. I do see him winging out there, maybe even being the horse that's leading the race. Now that would be a brave trip to try to go the whole way. I think that best case scenario might be. I don't want to talk about a fifty to one shot. But uh, it might be, you know, second, third, or fourth might be his best. But one thing I will say, if you are going to bet him at 50-1, to 1, your number's going to get called early. Because I think from what I've seen in the workout and what I've heard from the jockey, they're going to press out of the gate and they might even lead this thing into the first turn. 
I'm telling you. Gosh, I am Shock so... Shock the world, baby. I am so confident after listening to Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, thank you for that. Again, Caleb Keller. Uh, that is at Caleb FDTV on Twitter. Uh, and, and just one final time, you said wet paint. That's where we're going for the Oaks? Okay, so today I do like I do like wet paint okay. and South Lawn. Uh, but let me give you a long shot today in the Oaks, too, with those horses. And that's going to be the Alice look from the two post. Uh, this is a horse that was very, very wide last time. A sneaky, bad trip. She finished third. It didn't look that great, but t- two things are about her. Number one, the Alice look needs to be in contention early. And she got the two posts with an aggressive jockey. Asking her to win the race might be a little bit too much. The favorites look great. Wet paint and Southland, I think they're both going to run their race. But I'm going to mix in the two, the Alice look there to try to uh, boost up this trifecta a little bit today. That's like a bad trip, right? Hey, I'm telling you, when you get the bad trips, you get the good prices next to you. get a bad result, but you have better prices than odds going into the next race. All right. good trip, hopefully. I thought the Pacers bet was easy and Max was set for life. Boy, now all of a sudden, Max and Rosie are both set for life here after these bets. Caleb, thank you, man. Enjoy the great weather. Have a blast this weekend. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Caleb Keller on the Payless Lookers Hotline. For those that missed any of that, check it out on the podcast. We'll rehash it one more time before we end the show. Pop quiz coming up in a few. That is a freebie Friday. Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way. So 317-239-1070 on that. Let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We'll begin with Major League Baseball. Nationals over the Cubs yesterday, 4-3. It was Atlanta doubling up the Marlins, 6-3. St. Louis Cardinals have now dropped six straight. They lost 11-7 to the L.A. Angels. Twins over the White Sox, 7-3. Cute Vela over Kansas City, 13-10. Indianapolis Indians, 5-2 winners yesterday over the Mudhens of Toledo. Uh, last night in the association, the Warriors evened it up at 1-1. Big second and third quarters from Golden State. Uh, it was a 27-point win, so very similar to what we saw from Philly and Boston the night before. So, Jacobs, we head into the weekend now. All the series will shift to the first, I guess, road venue. Um, we have three series at 1-1, one at 2-0. That will be the Suns and the Nuggets tonight. The Nuggets lead 2-0 as Phoenix gets a taste of that series. And then Philly and Boston at 7:30. You surprised at all? Boston a slight road favorite in that one? No, because I think Boston is the better team. They've got to get Joel Embiid going, though. Uh, Philadelphia does. I realize he was coming off injury uh, but big one for Philly I, if Boston wins that game uh, I think it's going to be tough takes home home court back I, I think Boston's going to win the whole thing but uh, big one for Philly tonight and then looking ahead to Saturday Knicks and Heat at 3.30 from Miami that series tied at 1-1 of course the Jimmy Butler injury big to watch there and then tomorrow night we will get Lakers and Warriors that is an 8.30 tip from the Staples Center all right. All right. Freebie Friday pop quiz, right, Kev? Yes, sir. 317-239-107. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, Kev, Derby weekend. Do you have a number for me for the pop quiz between one and eight? Well, it seemed like Caleb right there. Caleb Keller, FanDuel TV, was outstanding just now in the Derby. He seemed very confident in the, uh, what do you say, the two post here in the Oaks? Um, Alice Look, the Alice Look, I believe so. So let's go with Numero Dos. Don. Don. Hey, hey good morning, fellas. Don, good morning. You a Derby fan? Um, yeah, I've watched it for years and years. Huh? Are right, you gonna put any money down? Nah, I, uh, I. The best thing for me to do when I'm betting is not to bet. I make money that way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> or at least you don't flush it down the toilet, right? I like that, Don. You're a smart fella. Don, you sound like a nice guy. If you don't mind me asking, can we play a little round and get to know your listener? We've had a lot of success with this. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Don, you are a native of Indianapolis. Yes or no? Yes. Born and raised. Okay. And then uh, when you were in high school, and you did you play sports in high school? No, I, God didn't gift me, but I like playing basketball, and I hated to lose. Okay. Like, I, I wasn't good enough to play uh, in the varsity. Well, had you played varsity, your jersey would have had what mascot on it, like Rockets or Titans or Panthers? What, what, what school? Oh, it was uh, Patriots, John Marshall. John Marshall. Okay. Have you called the program yeah, before, yeah, Don? I was on last Friday. That's right. Okay. Oh, look at that. Friday special, I got, Don. I got, I got lucky. From now on, Don, we're just going to call you Don Marshall. Does that work? <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Don, you got oil changes for, for, for years now. That's right. That's right. Well, I got two cars, so it'll work out for what, me. What kind of cars are you driving around in, Don? I've got a uh, PT Cruiser convertible, and I'm driving a Toyota, um, I always want to say Altima, but that's not right, Avalon. Now, are you a married guy? Yes. I was going to say, do you ever just drive around in the PT Cruiser and try to pick up chicks? But I guess you can't do that now, right? Well, I, I I told you the last time I'll be 67 in June, but I still think I'm in my 20s. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. boy. I was hoping he's going to be like, well, we're in an open relationship, so yeah, we are totally good. All, All right, right, Don. <laughs> Don, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? I had Kev last time, so let's do Jake. All right, here we go, Don. Question number one. Uh, Mike Budenholzer is out as the Bucks head coach. With that firing, there are just three NBA head coaches who have won championships with the team that they are currently coaching. Which of the following has not won a championship with his current team? Is it A, Steve Kerr, B, Eric Spolstra, C, Greg Popovich, or D, Nick Nurse? I'll go with D. What if I told you, did you say D is in dog? Yes. Okay, yeah. Good call. Go ahead, Kevin. All right, number two here, Don. Who served, who has served as head coach for the most different franchises in his NBA career? Is it A, Lenny Wilkins, B, George Carl, C, Larry Brown, or D, one of my great childhood friends, Kevin Lockery? Well, man, that's... that's uh... I think most recently with Penny Hardaway, this guy, at Memphis. And I believe Mike Woodson tried to hire him. Donnie Walsh once said of this guy, he's only happy when he's miserable. Oh, that's uh, George Carl. Okay, question three. Uh, Every team has lost at least one game in this year's NBA playoffs. No team has made it through the NBA postseason undefeated. 
but which team has the best record in a single NBA postseason? A, the 01 Lakers. B, the 2017 Golden State Warriors. C, the 83 76ers. Or D, the 91 Chicago Bulls. Jeez. That's a tough group there. Uh, I guess I go with the... God, what was it? What was the second choice again? Uh, that would be the 2017 Golden State Warriors. Smart. I'm I'm gonna go with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Valedictorian at John Marshall here. Don joining us. <laughs> uh, number four here. No NHL team has swept the playoffs since the 1967 expansion. Extended the postseason to more than two rounds. Name the last original six team to finish the NHL postseason with an eight and O record. Was it the 60 Canadians? the 63 Maple Leafs, the 52 Red Wings, or the 44 Canadians? My God. Yeah, in other words, this is Scotty saying, here's my middle finger. Yeah, thank you, Scotty. I appreciate that, brother. Um, Oh, man. Let's go with... uh, Let's go with number three. I have no idea. Red Wings? Yeah. Best you got a hint. Well, I was going to say maybe... uh, little north of the border i know that doesn't narrow it down uh don't they speak french in this province give me give me the give me the choices again Uh, the 60 canadian is it was it the 60 canadians or the 44 canadians don just say the 60 canadians 60 canadians thank you you, brother yeah of course uh last one for you don which of these which of these four positions did John Marshall never actually hold? Oh. Chief Justice of the United States, fourth United States Secretary of State, Governor of Virginia, or member of the US House of Representatives? Wow. Well, that's a good one there. Um, Shoot. Well, I'll tell you this. It was actually Governor of Virginia. He was not that. But he did hold the a position in all three branches of government. Your actual question, uh, final question here, is about horse racing because it all is right. Derby weekend. So here we go. You ready? Yes. Secretariat, that is the greatest racehorse to ever live, and I will throw anybody down a flight of stairs that says otherwise. <laughs> 50 years ago today, Secretariat started his record march to the Triple Crown by winning the Kentucky Derby. He had 21 starts in his racing career. How many times did he finish outside of the money? That means how many times did he not finish in the top three? A, never. B, once, and it happened to be in his very first race, and then after that he was unbelievable. C, twice, or D, three times? I'm going to go with once. Okay. He is a great, great horse. Isn't it kind of a non-debate, right? Do people really think Secretary's not the greatest? Oh, I think there are some that would say Man of War. Some might say uh, Seabiscuit. Man of War is probably the one that would be most often listed. Man of War, I believe, lost one race. Do you know who? Uh, Seattle Slough. Upset. Mm, look at that. That's the origin of the term. Just two Triple Crown winners, right, since Secretariat, Scotty? Well, Seattle Slough, and didn't Cigar win it? Yeah. Uh, not Cigar. Um, Did Slough win it in 79? 78. What was the one brown something? The no, Big Brown did not. It wasn't American Pharaoh. American Pharaoh did. And, American um, Pharaoh did. There were like two gosh. and three years, right? Yeah. Uh, justify. 
think it was Justify. Um, all right, Don, uh, stay on the line. Good work. Uh, Nick Nurse, correct on number that one. is correct. Uh, number, well, what do you get right? He got three right, he got four right, and he got five right there. A-D-D-A-I, a die, a die, <laughs> no, a let's, die. Yeah, okay. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm, in, I'm with Kevin on this. Whoa. Anytime that, that Kevin or myself have an audio hiccup, Mm-hmm. Mark is just all about running around Meridian Street and parading around the circle, yeah. mm-hmm. playing the audio of our hiccups. Uh-huh. You had arguably, and I've been on this show now for what nineteen months, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. When I joined the circle, feels like five years. In, yeah. in the night, okay. In the nineteen months that I've done it, without question, we had the biggest toe of the line of an FCC, of an FCC violation, and without without any doubt whatsoever, a euphemism of the most immature stature that came out of the lips of you, Mark Dykton, and yet we haven't heard it since. Oh. Now, why would that be? Is it because of the violation or is it embarrassment? I think the latter. Now I got a cramp again. Bottom five. And they Bottom and come rub this one out of me. <laughs> oh. Excuse me? <laughs> I believe that's it right there that you're referring to. I hate to. Uh, I'll, I'll wear it. No I hate problem. to say this, but I feel like the reason why we won't hear it is because Jake nor I are very technologically savvy to go back and edit that bit i just pulled it nor do we have the audio capabilities on these computers over here to play that on air Mm -hmm. but yeah mark that was certainly not one of our finer moments oh i got uh jake number two the donnie walsh hint did not land uh it is larry brown larry brown who has coached for nine nba don have a great weekend man Right on everything else. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lot of your outside. Beautiful. You're a complete loser. I'm blowing Mark 43. 43. Easy. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Where did that come from? What what are we doing here? We've already got the FCC and HR sitting right outside, and then you just go ahead. Hello, folks. No one's here on a Friday. What are you talking about? Well, that's a good point. Nobody's listening anyway. What 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 did we just I had a great transition set up for the last segment, and then Mark just goes there. They just did the radio rankings, and I think, actually, we just slid down. We're now behind Janesville and just in front of Valdosta, right? Oh, uh, Kenny Moore will be there graduating this weekend. <laughs> um, speaking of ADDAI, ADI, 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 we do have some numbers out for the rookies, and the local product has decided maybe uh, to go with the Joseph Adai reference there. We'll explain, and we'll try to keep it PG to round it up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Before we get to the Colts numbers assignment, I would like to make a proclamation, if I could, please. Probably might get a little old Kentucky home there, Mark. I do love my old Kentucky home when they play that. Um... I am aware of the fact that today is Cinco de Mayo, and I'm aware of the fun game that people play of taking a picture of a thing of mayonnaise in a sink to recognize it. I'm also aware of the fact that to be good sports and as a what basically what I'm known as, which is a totally humble team player, I participated in your guys' little mayonnaise in the coffee game in honor of Will Levis potentially being drafted by the Colts. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was we not made draft- the sacrifice to get him out of here. Yeah, that's right. He, he was not drafted by the Colts, and I partook in your guys' little reindeer games. So as a result of that, I'm aware of the fact that mayonnaise is part of the Cinco de Mayo thing, but people can quit sending that to me now because um, I'm already a little congested. I, I don't need to add nausea to the issue, and mayonnaise is the most disgusting thing on the planet. I think this could be the trick to get you moving like Usain Bolt tomorrow. 
Steve Prefontaine. If you were to have mayonnaise behind me, that would be correct. Okay. It would be no issue whatsoever. It would be the best mini I've ever run. 29,999 people carrying mayonnaise and Jake Ferry running for his life. <laughs> it is the most disgusting thing on the planet. Uh, we've got numbers announced for the Colts rookies. We knew Anthony Richardson, five for jersey number there. Uh, Scotty, who'd we say? Drew Stanton, Josh Freeman. Those are the last Colts that have worn five. Blair Keel at the quarterback position. Josh Downs told us earlier today, if you missed that, that's up on the podcast, that he will be number one. Paris Campbell exits, fittingly, the slot receiver. Josh Downs, the number one. And Juju Brents, his favorite Colts, Bob Sanders, I believe. Zach Moss is wearing 21. How's 29 for a cornerback number, Jake? Try to think of the last guy to wear. What was Malik Hooker? Boy, it was Hooker 29. I think he was. Marlon was 28, right? Uh, to me, the Kelvin f- Hayden 26. I will say that when I Belzer. see 29 for the Colts, I still go Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Me, a little bit more modern. I'm I, old. I, I do go a die. But he was a great player. I mean, he, you know what I mean? He was a Hall of Fame player. It was just so bizarre, Kevin. To all of a sudden have at uh, Scotty, I think will back me up here. I, in the first year that Dickerson came here for a franchise that had been toiled in total anonymity and mediocrity since their move, and suddenly to know that the biggest superstar in the NFL was playing here was literally the most bizarre thing ever. It was just like I, I can't believe that like Eric Dickerson plays in Indianapolis. It was the splash Jim Mercy was looking for, for sure. Finally on Monday Night Football, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I like this one here. Jake Witt is going to wear 76. Uh, Joe Wright's wore 76, of course. The uh, directional school in Michigan, basketball background to both of those storylines on you know, that front. 76 is perfect because 76 is kind of the number of America, right? The 76ers, 1776. And there's nothing more Americana than Jake's Witt. So that's perfect for... In my opinion, that's we sucked. almost made it. We are so close. <laughs> what, yep. what are you talking uh-huh. about? It's kind of hoping we get out of here a little bit earlier today. P- but, people yeah. say that to me all the time when I go out in public. That's the first thing they say to me. They come up and they say, "You know, I, I enjoy your program because of your wit." That's the number one thing that I'm told. So we had Caleb Keller on Coleman, earlier, right? You know is that what who it you is? Are? They're totally wit it to talk the Derby. For those, in that, my opinion, that sucked. Do now. For those that missed it, uh, Caleb shared with us his Oaks picks, which is today's race. Uh, Wet Paint, Southmont, and the Alice Look. Those were the three he likes. For the Derby, he is a big Angel of Empire fan. Big Angel of Empire fan, as am I. Um, win or place, he said, if you got 10 bucks to throw down, put five on the win, five on the place. Uh, and then if you got the old 100-bucker to throw down somewhere, uh, Angel of Empire, Kings, Barnes, and Skinner, that trifecta. He did not like the body language of Forte, he said. Horse body language in front of 100-some thousand. I guess that, I, you know, I I could laugh at that, but I guess that does make sense. Uh, reincarnate now 16 to 1. Moved up from 50 to 1 to 16 to 1. Largely probably due to the power of this program. Mm-hmm. Right? They, always, they do always say, like, if you see, like, a horse ahead of the race, like, trotting around and, like, tossing its head back and forth, like, the nerves have gotten sure. to it. So avoid it. So maybe that's what he... I feel like see. there's always that one horse as they all get into the stall or get into the, by whatever that gate is called. Private smiles. 
in the 73 Belmont, the famous, since we're talking about Secretariat, uh, Private Smiles was the one that nickered and was fussy going into the starting gates. Yeah, there's always that one. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the 73 Belmont, there were only five. I think there were five horses in that race. Five. Because people are like, hey, what are we doing here? Who wants to run for second? Right? Well, right there, that just proves that Tiger's 2000 U.S. Open is more dominant. Tiger had to beat 150. That's humans. right. Belmont had to beat, or uh, Secretary <laughs> had to beat four horses. Um, they, when they went into the turn, and Sham's jockey had been instructed for the first time, run with Secretariat, wear him down. And Ronnie Turcott said they went into one, and Secretariat literally could feel that Sham was next to him. And just said, all right, it's over. And what is impressive about Secretariat's Belmont run, he ran each quarter mile faster than the previous. His final quarter mile in that run was faster than the, was the fastest quarter mile he ran in that race. And it is the most unbelievable. I can't imagine that any horse in my lifetime, which, you know, I mean, maybe like another six months, that any horse will ever duplicate that but i i'm sure people you know thought that no one would ever see another man of war i i get it it's all relative good luck tomorrow thank you weather cooperates hope the cramps cooperate uh i guess the allergies right now is what you're dealing with but good luck to everybody out there what an awesome day everybody enjoy the mini enjoy the weekend the month of may is alive